Good evening, let's call to order the Planning Commission meeting study session of 9 October at 6 p.m. The city strongly denounces hate speech and does not tolerate disruptive behavior in our meetings. Sunnyvale prides itself on the rich diversity of our residents. We are committed to creating a culture of belonging where members of our diverse community feel included, safe, and respected. Before we get started, I'd like to remind participants of some procedural items for this meeting. During the meeting, remote participants will remain muted when not speaking. If remote participants have a question or comment, please use the raise hand feature Speakers will be called upon to speak one at a time. Members of the public may participate in person, online, or by telephone to provide public comment. Please submit a speaker card to the recording officer in person or use the raise hand feature online to request to speak, which is star nine on the telephone. Location and teleconference meeting details are available on the agenda. Captions are available to viewers accessing this meeting via Zoom. Captions can be displayed or hidden using the show captions button. Following this study session, the regular planning commission will begin at 7 p.m. and we encourage the public to stay tuned and participate in that regular meeting. Recording officer, may we please have the roll call? Commissioner Davis. Present. Commissioner Howard. Here. Commissioner Cerrone. Present. Commissioner Howe. Present. Vice Chair Iglesias. Present. Chair Pine. Present. Commissioner Shukla. Present. We have seven commissioners present. Thank you. All right, moving on to our first item, first and only item for the study session is item 23-0962. The proposed project is related to application on a 45.6 acre site. It's a use permit to demolish an existing recreation center and six level parking structure and construct a new 592,567 square foot research and development building along Central Expressway to demolish four buildings and construct a seven story parking structure along Commercial Street to install associated site improvements around the proposed R&D building and parking structure to demolish the building at 930 East California Avenue and allow for the expansion of an existing PG&E electrical substation at 930 East California Avenue to retain four existing industrial office R&D buildings, including building 81, building 85, a central uh, utility plant and building at 930 East Arquez Avenue. The project includes mar excuse me, merging seven existing lots together to form a larger campus parcel, and one existing lot would remain at 222 Commercial Street. And lastly, a variance to exceed the maximum height limit and floor plate size specified in the Arquez campus specific plan. Um, is there a staff presentation? Sorry about that. Um, the application before you is a use permit and design review to allow for a new three-story, 592-square-foot uh, R&D building. Um, the resulting FAR is at 72%. Um, this property is within the Arquez specific plan. In that specific plan, it does have uh, a, an effective FAR, which is basically um, employee generating space. Um, the proposed effective FAR for this project would be at 66%. Um, the proposal also includes a new seven level parking structure, um, providing 1,900 parking spaces 
an expansion of an existing PG&E substation. The applicant is also requesting a variance from the Arquez specific plan, and it's to exceed the height limit of 75 feet and to also exceed the 50,000 square foot maximum floor plate sizes. Next slide, please. As mentioned, this um, the applied material campus is uh, part of the 1999 specific uh, Arquez specific plan, um, which was comprising of 35 acres. The build out of the plan was at 1.5, sorry, 1.15 million square feet. Um, and in that plan, it, it would provide uh, 542,000 square foot of net new R&D and office space, as well as uh, 51,200 of net new employment amenity space. Next slide, please. Just for site context and orientation, the um, project site is bounded in red. Uh, to the north is Arquez Avenue. To the east is um, Commercial Street. To the south is Central Expressway. And then to the east, it's bounded by the SDC campus. And further east is Lawrence Expressway. Next slide, please. This is the existing site plan. The existing legacy campus is bounded by blue. Um, the area bounded in orange are the parcels that are going to be merged with the legacy campus. The buildings that are going to be demolished are highlighted in gray. It includes the existing parking structure that provides 1,300 parking spaces, amenity area to the north of that parking structure, and then uh, several buildings along Commercial Street. And also um, further south is um, captioned below is the proposed pg and &E substation expansion. Next slide, please. Here's the proposed site plan. The new R&D building is loaded, excuse me, located at the southeast corner of the project site. It's again, approximately uh, 592,000 square foot and it's a three-story building. And then along commercial is the proposed seven-story parking garage. And then below to the southeast, or sorry, excuse me, southwest is the PG&E substation expansion. Uh, next slide, please. Uh, one of the requests from the applicant is a parking adjustment. Um, planning Commission can consider parking adjustment from the minimum parking ratios. A uh, parking study was completed for this project. Um, so a consultant basically did parking counts for an entire week. And what they found was um, a parking ratio of one per um, 2.16 would be adequate to part the proposed project. Next slide, please. The project is proposing to remove trees as part of the project. Um, we did wanna highlight that those trees are mainly within the construction zone areas for the new building and parking garage, as well as the um, expansion of the PG&E substation. 
the applicant is working with staff and they are preserving a grove of native um, live oak trees that are along the northeast edge. And those are shown in the red areas. The other thing to mention is that the county is requiring an 18 foot future dedication. Um, so some of those trees along south, um, along the south edge fronting Central Expressway would need to be removed in the future. But for this project, they are being preserved. And again, those trees are uh, shown in red or highlighted in red. We can advance to the next slide. So they are incorporating um, new landscaping. They are per meeting the city's requirement for replacement trees. They're actually providing um, over 490 new trees as part of their new campus um, layout. Um, and this diagram is showing some conceptual renderings with the new landscaping. So for A, it's located um, along the front of the new parking garage. Um, and this is um, what you see here um, is a, an esplanade, um, which is a, a generous uh, pedestrian pathway. And then also um, double a row of trees to help soften the new garage. B is shown in front of the new R&D building. And again, um, generous landscaping to help ground the building. And area C is the um, um, paseo between the existing uh, R&D building and the new uh, Paragon building. Can advance to the next slide. This is the proposed floor plan for the new R&D building. It's two levels of sub um, fab area. The third floor will be clean rooms. Um, the diagram is coded um, to show um, basically occupied spaces, which is shown in, in the coding of or shading of purple. The unoccupied spaces are shown in orange. Um, those unoccupied spaces will mainly consist of um, equipment to service the subfab and clean room operations. Get to the next slide. Um, so this is a um, front view of the new R&D building. Um, again, this building will measure um, 100 feet to the top of the roof, 125 feet to the top of the mechanical screen, and 135 to the top of the exhaust stacks. Again, they're requesting for a variance to exceed the the height limit. The building proposes a modern contemporary architectural style and elements, um, as well as in terms of materials and form. The northwest corner is a focal point that is designed with birds, a window glazing, a projecting balcony over the main entryway. Um, again, here the, the main doors are uh, excuse me, situated with um, blue paneling, other design features that help articulate the building includes recess channels at the upper levels, a two inch, or sorry, two foot shadow box and one inch 
projecting fin, as well as utilizing different materials to help uh, add texture and visual interest to the building. Advance to the next slide. This is um, an elevation of the east um, side of the building. This is the side that interfaces with the existing campus. <clears throat> Staff worked with the applicant on ways to alleviate concerns about an uninterrupted facade. The applicant has incorporated a recess along this facade. This recess is approximately um, 18 feet wide and 10 feet deep. The massing is also broken up with materials and some of those elements includes um, vision glass, uh, which is primarily used in the middle of the building and also uh, vertically along the, the recess portion of the building. And then also just utilizing uh, different materials to clad the building. We can advance to the next slide. The elevation before you is uh, the side that faces Central Expressway. This is where the service yard will be located. Um, some of the highlights of the design elements that were incorporated along this elevation is a decorative metal screen to help conceal the exhaust stacks. There is also an undulating wall um, that consists of textured precast uh, concrete panels um, that includes a six inch metal wall cap and also an L-shaped green screen. Um, with this and the existing new trees along this edge, it will help ground the building and maintain the natural uh, tree screening that occurs along Central Expressway. We can advance to the next slide. This is the east elevation. And again, um, it's showing uh, some more elements that are found on the other elevations. We can advance to the next slide. And here are some uh, perspectives. Um, again, one is showing the Southeast perspective. Number two is the Northeast perspective showing the East elevation, the Southwest perspective. And this is again, the side that um, interfaces with the, another uh, industrial campus. Um, and then the north elevation, which is the side that interfaces with Central Expressway. Next slide, please. This is the ground floor plan for the parking garage. The areas that are shaded in orange are the amenity spaces um, within the garage. They're also um, providing bike storage, which is coated in green, and also shower facilities, which are uh, coated in blue. Um, there are two main access to the garage. One is off of Commercial Street. Um, so basically it's two way in and one way out. And then there's a secondary access that's along the south edge of the building or it's parking structure. And it's one way out and one way in. Next slide. Um, so the garage is proposed at seven stories and um, provides 1,900 uh, parking spaces. Um, as designed, it does provide a four-sided architecture. Uh, it does incorporate various uh, materials and elements such as the folded perforated metal panels that you see um, in the middle of the, of the parking structure. 
and then also vision glass at the ground floor, and then vertical bands of glazing uh, and precast, um, architectural precast paneling. Let me advance to the next slide. For the garage, they were also uh, able to incorporate some notches to help break up some of the massing. Um, again, that is found um, on the upper levels. Next slide, please. Here's a rendering of the garage and also just close up of the, the materiality that's being proposed on the garage building. Next slide. Um, this is uh, just an exhibit showing um, what site improvements are anticipated for the substation expansion. Um, they will be installing a new CMU wall along the south, west, and north uh, perimeters. Um, within the compound will be another uh, chain link fence that will protect the equipment area. And that includes um, transformer switch, um, sorry, switch gear and other uh, associated equipment. And lastly, if we can advance to the next slide is an elevation. So it's the south elevation, again, showing that um, it's going to be continuation of an existing CMU wall. Um, They're also preserving and also augmenting the tree uh, screening that's along that edge. Uh, the bottom caption um, shows just an interior elevation um, and just showing um, the height of those fences as well as equipment. We can get to the next slide. So staff is requesting feedback on the parking adjustment. Uh, we wanted to get um, your feedback to see if the parking ratio is appropriate. And then also feedback on the R&D building articulation, uh, primarily the east elevation massing. And then also um, staff wanted to see if the roof cap element on that building is sufficient. Thank you so much, Ms. Hum. Um, at this point for the council, we're gonna allow, excuse me, the commission, we're gonna allow commissioners the opportunity to give questions and comments to the staff. Um, as a reminder to my colleagues, please use your raise hand button to indicate that you wish to speak. And we'll begin with Chair Pine. Thank you, Vice Chair, and thank you for that, for that excellent presentation. Uh, I just had a quick question about the legislative history of this site. I remember back in two year, about two years ago, there was a GPI on this site that was approved. And I was curious kind of how that relates to this, because I don't recall seeing the anything come back from that. Certainly, just to clarify, um, so, so this project will be building out the remaining square footage of the 1999 plan. Um, there was a GPI that was approved by Planning Commission City Council. The applicant is moving forward with a specific plan amendment that is currently underway and will be you know, brought to this commission separately. Okay. Uh, and thank you. Uh, that was my question. Oh, just one comment. When this comes back for a public hearing, 
I think it might be useful to have some analysis of other of similar situations where variances were approved because just going through most of the time when we approve variances it's kind of houses houses on weird lots that kind of thing and this is kind of a large a large commercial building in a large lot and i am sure there are precedents for there are precedents i don't know what they are and i would find i know i would find that helpful Certainly. So, thank you. Thank you, Chair. Uh, next, we have Commissioner Cerrone. Uh, thank you, Vice Chair, and thanks for the presentation. Um, so, I the looking at it on the map and some of the uh, you know attached document, it looks like at least the garage and part of this is outside the specific the RKS specific plan. Correct. It, it's is the, so the plan is getting expanded to include that. Uh, the future master plan will, yes, um, but for for this pers uh, planning application, um, the garage is going to be reviewed under the M2 or Industrial and Services Zoning Development Standards, and then the um, legacy campus will be held to the Arquette-specific development standards. Okay, so the specific plan does not apply to the garage and the... Correct. Okay, just the, the general plan. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, I noticed uh, when I was over there because the noticing sign is still up in 2021, there was a, a proposal for a hotel across commercial from uh, where the uh, garage would would go. Uh, what what happened with that? Was that approved or? Uh, the garage was approved and it sh it's set to expire soon. If not, it's already expired. You but know, the um, hotel. Was, yes, uh, and we've we've met with the applicant. They they after the project was approved, they did experience some difficulty with um, investors. Mm -hmm. So um, and plus with the with the COVID, um, they weren't able to pursue. Mm -hmm. And uh, I know like there's no uh, like environmental checklist or anything like that uh, associated with that. Is that because they just they aren't asking for any? sort of accommodation because of meeting something or why is that uh, so uh, um, the project is still subject to CEQA and so it's currently under review um, there is also a program EIR for the request specific plan and so um, so part of that environmental analysis is is um, consistency with that um, specific plan or program EIR as well as the the loot program EIR And um, can you elaborate a little bit on this PG&E substation? Uh, is is this something PG&E is doing? Is Applied Materials doing this? Who owns the land there? Um, so the, the substation expansion is actually needed to power the new R&D building. Um, and um, so the ownership of the, the property is Applied Materials. And then PG&E leases it from them or something like that? Uh, so um, I would have to defer that to the applicant. Okay. Well, I, I can I can uh, assume there's an applicant presentation. Okay. And uh, why did you say the trees on Central have to, will have to be removed? Um, so uh, during the development review of the project, it was routed to the county 
um, as well as our traffic section. Um, and so through that review, um, it was identified that there is a, an improvement uh, as part of the county uh, roadway plan, and it does call for an 18-foot future dedication that would include a new auxiliary lane, um, bike lane as well. I see. So they're going to widen central, and mm -hmm. that's why the trees have to... Uh, Correct. I but see. again, those, those trees will be removed at, at such time when they come in with the improvement. All right, great, thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Cerrone. Next, we have Commissioner Howe. Thank you. Um, a couple of quick questions that came up before as this project of applied materials came to um, the Planning Commission and City Council. One of them was along Central Expressway, there's a bunch of scanning electron micro microscopes that would be potentially uh, impacted here, and I'd like to go back to that and have that looked at by staff. Also, the power line for PG&E to the site was required to be undergrounded to save some of those neighborhoods, and potentially I'd like to see that looked into. And I also am very in, um, really want to see what the variance is. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Howe. Seeing no other commissioner hands, um, I have just a couple quick questions. Uh, first, regarding the, the parking, um, I'm amenable to supporting um, an organization that knows better knows what their parking requirements are. However, caveating, also I'd like to know the precedent for applying this principle to other companies as well in the past. That would be very helpful. Um, and then the other thing is, um, so, we're evaluating a potential variance for to go above the 75 foot height limit. But to be clear, unless I'm misunderstanding it, it it's not like going a little bit above it. It's like almost going double. Um, we're going the where the peak would be 135 feet, correct? Correct. Okay, so just so that that all that I that I would feel really comfortable, that, that requires quite a, a threshold of, of evidence to to be presented to make us feel comfortable that that makes sense for that area. If 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 we're if the current standard is 75 feet. So those are my two comments. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Uh, seeing no commissioner hands, uh, we're gonna move to the applicant portion, uh, just uh, for the purpose of managing the meeting effectively, uh, the applicant will have 10 minutes to present to the commission. Uh, the commission will then have an opportunity to ask questions um, of the applicant. Um, it'll also be opened up to public forum for the public to comment. And then time pending, we'll, we'll return some time to you for, for five more minutes. Um, but we have, to, since we have another meeting scheduled after this, we might have to be a little flexible. Thank you. My name is uh, Steve Worthington. I'm with RMW Architects. I'm principal uh, design uh, principal for, for the firm. Um, thank you for uh, allowing us to speak. Um, it was an excellent presentation by Cindy. Um, we brought some highlight um, um, added views of, of the project. Um, uh, we've been working on this for about six years uh, and it has evolved over time. And there is a master plan in the works uh, that this dovetails into, um, but it's not part of the entitlement process right now since it has not been approved, but it's being reviewed now. We could start with the slideshow. Um, there are two buildings we're looking at building. Um, the large um, 
R&D building. And just for reference here, there's no office space in this building at all. This, this is essentially a clean room at the third floor, 50 feet in the air, with two mechanical levels that support the clean room and a lot of rooftop equipment, a big central utility plant along one side, the west side, uh, that has main electrical and, and, uh, and utility equipment as well. And so um, there are about 700 people that will work in this building, but they will actually office in the existing structure um uh that is adjacent to it um building 81 and so this is a machine applied um designs the tools to make um chips and and so um this is a research dedicated floor uh to 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 house all the machines that drive the latest uh inventions um you know with applied staff as well as all of their industry partners and so um, it's a collaboration floor you you get in a bunny suit you know it's 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 not your typical space um it its size and height and mass is dictated by the engineering that's needed there is we've done our best to try to articulate the the large mass you know working hand in glove with george and cindy uh for for over a year now uh, to 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 get this to kind of marry both architecture and and the the the, the engineering need. This is the front facade uh, that faces Arquez. Um, in the life of the master plan, which is going to go fairly quickly here, um, uh, the big important face here is the the lobby face, which you see in in, in uh, glass here. That will be visible in perpetuity throughout the master plan to our kids. The rest of the building is really tucked in behind other buildings that are on our kids. Um, next slide, please. So this is the plan that you're reviewing now with our kids at the top, Central Expressway below, Commercial Street on the left. The garage is a, uh, a is designed a front um, commercial has a main entry has great um, access for lobbies down to the grade at the two corners that face north, and that is the beginning in the master plan for a, a large um, esplanade that'll run east to west throughout the entire site. It currently is aligning with the with entries that go through Building eighty one, so. The access to from the garages to the Epic Center is essentially through a network of of of, of quarters that that link uh, link through the existing building. We're enhancing them now. Um, eventually, uh, Building 81 will come down, and that'll be an open corridor that allows access through the east and west to the entire master plan. There's an existing service yard between uh, on the backside of building 81, between building 85 and building 81. Building 85 is just a smaller version. It's about a, a third of the size of the, the same kind of functions with, with um, um, clean room on, on uh, in that particular building, the second floor. We're proposing a service yard on the backside of this building on, on Central Expressway. Um, much like um, the backside of Building 85, you know, and it houses a lot of equipment that's outside, but screened from view uh, with with tall walls. Um, next, next slide. So 
focusing on Epic first. Next slide. Uh, as it, this is a similar shot, you know, where you have the main facade, the building is clad in uh, a folded metal panel, uh, clear glass with bird safing. Um, there's a balcony that is part of the, this entry plaza that, that uh, is on access with, with the main entry into Building 81 today. Uh, there's large glass areas up at the clean room levels that are actually shadow boxes um, um, to, to help this building fit into kind of the more office landscape that'll, that it will come. Next slide, please. It's an overview. Uh, so the stacks you see in the back, that uh, th those are the ones that rise up an additional, um, I think it's 15, 10 feet beyond the screens. Uh, the screen wall is 25 feet above the roof, which is at 100 feet. Next slide. This is a view at grade or close to grade from, uh, from Marquez. It gives you an idea of the massing of the building in, in its current context. Next slide. The lobby is a feature. It has three lobby levels that connect all three floors, main front door uh, with access from building 81 and future buildings off the Esplanade in the future uh, and lobbies at level two and lobbies at level three. Next slide, please. This is the west side. Some of the nomenclature in your were flipped. The west side, um, uh, which is primarily the cup, you know, the central utility plant and some uh, shared uh, spaces that support the uh, utility plant for the building. Next slide. This is along the backside um, fronting Central Expressway. There's a drive that's been added to the master plan that links east and west. There will be a main entry for necessary materials coming to and from um, this project to support you know, service deliveries. And then you can kind of see the, the yard, the base yard. Next slide, please. Uh, there's um, a significant uh, architectural piece at the back of the building that are, it's a scrubber deck uh, taking air you know, uh, from, from the facility out through cleaning it and then out the exhausts. And, and it's fairly significant area. It's all um, outside space, it's just screen. Next slide, please. This is the at-grade view riding along the east side of the project with SRC campus, which is also owned by Applied materials, you know, currently occupied by Apple, uh, and you can kind of see the the, the base of the building. It's architectural precast, uh, significant height, so screens all the service yard components. Next slide, please. A view of the east side. You know, uh, we, working with staff, we've added a series of notches to the building uh, that vary in width. The smallest is 18 feet wide and about 10 feet deep. Um, that is above the roof level that allows us to articulate the facade in distinct uh, groupings. Um, so it, it doesn't appear as one mass. Next slide. Fast forward, you know, we're working on the next building, which is um, B110, which is out in front of the, uh, along Arquez. 
which will be B110 will be the campus commons. It'll be the, the big um, uh, office building, support building. It'll have the cafeteria, have all the meeting functions for the building. And this shows the main access through the site. The, there's a, there'll be a large green space that you'd walk through uh, to, to get to the front door. So this goes along with what I said earlier about the most important part in the master plan that you'll be able to perceive as someone from Marquez is that end of the building because the rest will be screened and, and be part of the inner, inner campus along the arc, uh, Esplanade. Next slide. And this is uh, a view of additional buildings, you know, the replacement of the uh, B81, B, B, which we're calling B120, which is a complementary uh, building to um, the commons building on the left. So there's a large park open space that leads to the B100 uh, that is secured open space. The garage. Next slide. This is a long commercial. Uh, we pulled all of the uh, uh, elevators into two towers, uh, uh, one at the, the west end and one at the east end. We're looking at the west end. Uh, garage entry at grade behind the blue car and the and the slide. Uh, so people at every level would come to the outside that's glass around uh, at, an open air lobby um, uh, and that goes goes to grade and then they walk from there to the esplanade and then to whatever building they're 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 occupying um, at, at that time. The garage um, is screened with uh, perforated screens that uh, have a, a, a three-dimensional quality to them. They're a foot deep. They're bent panels in variety of sizes and colors that provide necessary screening and an animation um, that is fitting with the overall campus architecture, creates a lot of shadow um, and uh, visual interest. Every floor of the garage has a C-channel that's part of a, an idea uh, th that ties a, a structure like this to the office buildings, which have similar details. And, and that lower level is the amenity zone along the Esplanade um, that will have uh, other amenity uses in the garage. Next slide. Apologies for the interruption. Vice Chair, the applicant's time has expired. I didn't hear. You want to finish your, your last slide? I have only a couple slides left. Okay, please proceed. I go really fast here. Next slide. This is just a, a close-up view of the, the kind of the lobby towers. Next slide. At grade along the initial portion of the esplanade um, that's part of the garage phase. Next slide. Next slide. And then the, the, the last is the, this is at the, um, um, there's a road at the south of the garage that's, that is to the second entrance into the garage at, at the south. And so this is on commercial at that edge. And that's the entry along the south side. Thank you. Thank you so much for the presentation. Um, at this point, I'm going to allow my colleagues to uh, indicate that they have interest in asking questions or giving comment. Um, as a reminder, my colleagues, please use the raised hand button to indicate you wish to speak.
Uh, we'll begin with Commissioner Cerrone, and you may want to stand at the mic because we may have questions for you. Uh, thank you, Vice Chair. So I'm, I'm glad you clarified the number of people in the building. I was looking at it and there's a, a clean room and subfab. And so um, are there are there new employees coming in, though, to support this R&D facility? There will be new people um, coming in, and that's that's why um, there are other buildings that are right behind this um and that will have their own parking and will have their own requirements but it, it in the interim there there may be some um you know the applied owns a lot of space in the area there may be some temporary um home for these people within the neighboring sites they own well i'm trying to make sense of the uh you know the parking study and the uh the analysis for how much parking is needed for for a building that has nobody living in it doesn't seem like any parking would be needed but there's other there's a lot of other buildings there what torn down a structure hmm? the the one of the pro, one of the pro, uh, buildings that's on site now is a garage that has 2000 cars and so the parking we're building is really replacement parking and and the study that we did was in analyzing, you know, that structure. Um, and there's a huge surface lot, you know, 700 cars, yeah. you know, on site. Both of those are going away. And the study revealed that the garage in, in large part is not even really used because it was designed as part of the 1999 plan for future office buildings to come in place. And that was the, the garage. And so they have a they have a parking ratio of like 1.3 i mean a 3.33 or 3.36 you know um currently and they don't need it uh and that's what the study um revealed was that for this phase the new inhabitants you know that will be in in the in epic center along with those in building 81 that's the number of cars we need 1900 Okay, I see. Uh, so it's based on the, you know, the expected number of people that are going to be there using this garage. Yes. Um, in the garage, uh, it was kind of hard to count them. How many EV charging spots are there? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> It, it's we're following the the commitment um that's requested it i mean it looked like there were plenty but uh what does future rv charging mean in this context wiring for uh ev charging uh, a panel that can support that what is what does that mean it, it's the it's it's sizing the electrical rooms so that you can add equipment and and having the runs for conduits you know uh, at least routes for that, you know, so that it, it's not a, uh, you know, it's, it's easy to add. Those are the two big things. And um, on the, um, there's a lot of glass there on those buildings. Uh, are these, uh, you know, are the 
Are birds taken into consideration? Yes, we're using uh, bird safe glazing throughout. In fact, we're using exactly the same. I noticed in your new building. Exactly. The same. <laughs> well, then it must be good. <laughs> all right. That's that's all I had. Thanks. Thank you, Commissioner Sroni. Next, we have Commissioner Shukla. Thank you, Vice Chair. Um, I first of all, I'm very happy that we are you're building this large facility. I have a question about uh, that. Do you have access for public from the East Arcus to the main building? Like, do the like they come and drop it off, and do they have a, a lobby? Will they have access? There's the main lobby for the campus is going to be in the next building um, um, where all visitors would come, which is building on the left in that one view, B B110. And that has the main lobby right off the street. Um, the, the, the main lobby for B100 Epic Center is not public. Um, because I, you know, I feel that uh, like you have such a large, large campus. And when we drive or we are going to have a bike on the uh, on the Central Expressway, people are going to bike and it's like, what's this building? What do they do? I would love to know somehow, like maybe a lobby of exhibit um, of what they do or like even for this building, like on the uh, on the Lawrence, uh, on the East, uh, sorry, in the Expressway, Central Expressway. Maybe when people are biking, there is a big board which describes or like exhibit something that, because I feel that um, I, I mean, when you talked about what's happening in this building, I'm fascinated to know what it is. So it would be so good. Like Apple um, quarters have their little cafe. Uh, we go there, we don't get to see the campus, but how the campus is, there is a model and you see, and it's just so, I mean, I would love to have that because it's a big building big campus and half of the Sunnyvale residents don't know. It's like you go there and it's like a little monster. So I think I would appreciate some way to have public access or if it's not possible, some exhibit or somewhere on the road, a big board where you have all these big walls. Um, so I think that's what I would say. I would just suggest that if it's possible. We, we are doing that. It's just not part of this building. It's it's part of the next phase. The, it, the next phase is is the main campus commons, which has all the visitor pieces. It has a small museum. It has uh, and it's it, it, it has access to the gardens um, after you cross through security. And so, um, which which year it will come to? I mean that the main building will be another like few years, maybe the seven. The desire from applied point of view is to have that building, that next building, open at the same time as this building. Oh, okay. It's just not part of the 1999 plan of which B100 and the garage fit into. And, and so that it's part of a, a master plan. Yeah, I mean, this is the suggestion. All, all, you, all the things you said are, are, I think, are part of the aspirations for, for uh, applied. Yeah, I think it would be nice to have even just a on the Central Expressway, where they may not be have access, but it's a huge, like you have a huge walls between the service road and the Central Expressway, and they're going to widen the Central, or update the Central Expressway. 
So that time with the bike path, it will be good. And also you're removing a lot of trees. So I think I didn't get the numbers. So I, I mean, I'm sure that you are replacing. There was the recreational area on the Northeast corner. So I would like to see more green in the area. Great. And because it's like, we don't want to create a lot of heat island. So that's just, just telling you in the study session. So you can kind of. Thank you. Thank you. That's it. Thank you, Commissioner Shukla. Next, we have Commissioner Davis. Uh, thank you, Vice Chair. Uh, thank you for the presentation. I really, one of these days I'll figure out how to use this properly. Uh, I really appreciate the renderings. Um, seeing the buildings in isolation, I don't think gave the, the right sense. So thank you for bringing in um, pictures of the whole camp, renderings of the whole campus and so on. Um, I saw that we were looking for feedback on the articulations um, and I'm looking um, at uh, Associate Planner Holmes' presentation, but from the Northeast perspective, the the articulation, it kind of looks like um, a USB drive with the cap half off. <laughs> That's all I could say. Um, but when you showed everything together, uh, it flowed a little bit better and the articulation seems a little more necessary. Um, I appreciate that uh, this is going to be a tricky building to pull together. Uh, the, the types of engineering requirements that you have are going to be uh, pretty extreme. I mean, that you do build equipment that does things at angstrom level <laughs> sensitivities, right? So um, nanometers too big, right? Um, When we say the timeline for this, is the ideas for all of this to open at the at the same time? Are, are we talking five years from now, two years from now? Just well, the, the um, Epic Center and the garage will open in the latter part of twenty five, early part of twenty six, and the desire is to have that second phase, which is in front of it. Mm -hmm open at the same time um and and but we're not in the process yet we're designing it okay and uh, but as part of the master plan that has to be approved first okay uh that's uh two to three years from now I, that's pretty good um i'll talk about the garage shortly um i'll be honest the first rendering i saw of it i thought instantly of the stanford hospital you know, i don't know if that's good or bad uh, but <laughs> Uh, when I first saw it, 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 I'm like, oh, that looks just like the Stanford Hospital. Uh, I, I think you've done a good job with it. Um, just making a parking garage not be offensive is usually our standard. Um, but you seem to have found a way to uh, to go well beyond not offensive. So I, I commend you on that. Um, uh, Commissioner Cerrone asked staff about the substation before um, and what the situation is with that, that it's going to be your property, but it's a substation. So how does that work exactly? Chris is on the line. Do you want to answer, um, he's a civil engineer, you know, the, the, the relationship of that substation to applied? I know they own both parcels. Um, maybe you can expand on that. Thank you, Steve. Good evening, commissioners. 
the parcels are owned by applied and the right now the power requirements for the building would require that they would be tapping off the existing 115 kv line that is already undergrounded from east arquez and that would they would be two two new transformers that would be in those that were shown on that uh those sheets and then connected back to those buildings so the land is owned by applied it is a private substation but mm. pg e has is providing the power to them so they would be providing their own equipment but pg e would be, be providing the connection and that effort is actually well underway developing that Okay, it's like a data center co-location. It's a similar economic situation. So correct. Um, yeah, I just want to say that uh, you know applied materials have been in Sunnyvale for a long time. Um, I, I'm proud of you being here. I've always thought your profile was a little bit too low. Uh, I really look forward to having a, a beautiful campus that becomes a, a landmark for the city. Right. And uh, uh, what I'm seeing so far, it looks like we're on the way there. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Davis. Next, we have Chair Pine. Thank you. And in the interest of time, I will try to be brief. Uh, the, uh, but, but first, I'll say to Commissioner Davis that I hope he doesn't have time to get used to these microphones because I hope we're in the other, the other room sooner <laughs> rather than later. Um, uh, so uh, just going down the items, uh, first of all, I do appreciate the security concerns around the campus. I I think what you're do what you're doing is very important and I'm glad I'm glad we're doing it in Sunnyvale. I and I'm broadly looking forward to this going to this happening. Uh regarding the parking, I think from everything I've heard, it sounds like you've done a good job of right sizing it to your actual needs. And I'm for one, I'm not interested in demanding significantly more parking in for some hypothetical reason that doesn't match what you're at you've demonstrated your actual needs are i think you've done a good job of adding visual interest to the parking garage it doesn't just look like a concrete slab of bleh uh uh regarding regarding the views uh one one view you mentioned that you mostly can see it from Arcas. I will note that you will, there is an actual uh, one other view. I don't need to see a rendering or, of it or anything, but, and that's actually from the Apple guest parking structure, which is currently one of the tallest publicly accessible structures in that general vicinity. So I don't know if there's any privacy impacts from there, but just something I'd flag. I know I've been up there on occasion just because it's the tallest thing, the tallest building anywhere the tallest publicly accessible space anywhere near my apartment um uh broadly speaking i thought the east side it's fine it's not the most exciting structure i've ever seen i did like what commissioner davis said about said about kind of the u.s looking usb i made me kind of wonder what like the art deco take on a us on like a usb thing would look like as 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 the resident Art Deco fan, I'd love it if that was something that would show up one of these days. Not asking for you to add it, just think it would look cool. Uh, the uh, one thing I did want to flag, however, and uh, because I am also because I I get picky about variances, and uh, I and 
I completely buy what you're selling me about how the structure is necessary for the for for applied materials as development for the it's it's the factory size you need etc but the findings i'm going to have to make for a variance uh the two the two i i the two ones i'm going to call out tonight are that there's uh I, that because of exceptional or extraordinary circumstances or conditions applicable to the proper the property or use that the strict application of the ordinance shouldn't apply that's finding one and then there's finding three which is that the intent of the purpose of the underlying zoning etc will still be served with the variance and it won't grant you special privileges that wouldn't be enjoyed by other nearby property owners. And I do think you're asking for a fairly substantial variance as to height. And I just, I don't need to hear kind of, I don't like, I don't need the response now, but that is, but when you're coming back for a public hearing, I do, that's something I'm going to be looking like, I want to have a very strong argument about why we should grant that variance because it does like one of the reasons I asked about the specific plan process earlier is just if there is a legislate is just I appreciate wanting to get this done quickly. Again, I appreciate all of the interests, including frankly the national security interest in getting this done as quickly as possible. But I just get a little nervous when when it looks like we're kind of ignoring our ignoring the existing uh general plan the existing zoning code so i just that's just something i would like to see a very strong argument for when this comes back if i could just add one thing go go ahead that, um so the master plan that we're working through right now anticipates going to one far from seven two far and an example of one far is the apple campus which is 100 foot high with 25 foot through screens. So we're gonna be that scale. And so we're just in advance of approval of our master yep. plan at one FAR. We're fitting into the 0.72 for numbers, you know, um, the square footage. Um, but we're we need the height for it to yeah. function. Well, you've already just made a pretty strong argument for on item three on on finding three regarding special privileges because you've you've just demonstrated that you know if Apple does it, we should be able to do it, which which speaks to which speaks to finding three. So that is exactly what I was kind of list, looking right. for. Again, I'm happy to postpone further discussion. I, again, I think this is more for the public hearing. But I just wanted to flag that. Thank you. Thank you, Chair Pine. Next, we have Commissioner Howard. Thank you, Vice Chair. Um, my understanding is the administration has identified a rapid expansion of domestic semiconductor R&D capabilities as a national security priority. So I thank you for working on this project and having this all in hand. What I've seen tonight looks good to me. It pencils out. The questions are answered sufficiently. Uh, I would note with the height, uh, you know, with the FAR transition, all the same, there's no neighbors around who are going to complain. I don't think Apple's going to raise a stake about 123 feet. Nobody's going to complain around Central Expressway. So really, all I have to say is thank you for your presentation, and please proceed along these lines, and I hope that um, we're successful. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Howard. Um, Commissioner Sorani, you have your hand up still? Sorry. No worries. Um, just a couple comments uh, as well. Um, Given the fact that the height you're proposing is 135 feet, um, 
in, in the presentation, when they talk about tree screening, it's hard for me not to bite my lip a little bit because the trees, it, it's a big building. It's, it's, a fact, it's an edifice and it's gonna be defining the space. Um, I am in agreement that, um, that Applied is a very valued member of the community. I like the idea. I think the building looks very futuristic. I think it fits the area. I think we have to be cognizant of the fact that we're talking about scrubbers. We're talking about stacks. We're talking, there's a neighborhood in that vicinity as well. And while there is an environmental impact report, I think that um, we have to be prepared that, that citizens are going to be naturally curious in, in if the variance is allowing what is a factory, what is you know manufacturing in that space around um, a lot of residents. And we're going to have to have a really strong, compelling story for that to, to feel comfortable with the variance. So that's really my only comment. Thank you. All right, seeing no other commissioner hands, at this point, I'm gonna go ahead and open the public comment on a specific item. Members of the public wishing to address the planning commission, please submit a speaker card to the recording officer or use the raise hand button now or dial star nine on the telephone to indicate you wish to speak. I will call on members of the public participating in person first, then the recording officer will ask remote participants to unmute their microphone when it is their turn to address the planning commission. Um, members of the public, are encouraged to identify themselves. They do not have to, but they are encouraged to do so. Um, and speakers will have three minutes to speak and the timer will be displayed on the screen. Recording officer, is there any, are there any speaking cards? Not at this time, Vice Chair. Okay, so um, then I have no in-person uh, speakers. Is there anyone interested, uh, recording officer, do we have any remote participants willing to speak on this item? Yes, we have one hand raised from Stephen Meyer. I'll go ahead and allow Stephen the floor to speak. All right, thank you. Hello. Hello. Good evening. Good evening. Commissioners. I am so impressed with all of you. I'm so thankful for your public service. And I would like to recognize Applied Materials as a leading semiconductor uh, development partner with Intel and many semiconductor firms all around the world. And we do know it's a national security interest to keep developing semiconductors to have an advance over anyone who might want to do us harm. So I, I totally support this project. I think they're bending over backwards, but I do have one request and it's an important request. There is currently an Apple semiconductor factory adjacent to uh, housing in Santa Clara. And this semiconductor factory is not um, complying with EPA guidelines. It's not measuring its output. It has a number of EPA violations, and I'm quite concerned about that. So what I would like to request here is some type of process for ongoing monitoring of the gases coming out, ongoing monitoring of internal employee spaces. We need to know that in this area, there are multiple Superfund sites, right? Semiconductor manufacturing has a very bad history with regard to controlling and mitigating its negative aspects. Right? We know these chemicals are harmful for humans, harmful for environment, harmful for wildlife. So what I would like to understand is the exact process for ongoing measurements, measurements near and around the facility, measurements in the broader capacity. So we, we need to get a heads up on how we manage the ongoing impact of semiconductor facilities. Uh, we appreciate the employment. We know it's important for defense, but we 
need to mitigate the negative aspects. We need to measure. We need to report. We need public involvement in inspecting any reports. We have an employee of Apple currently suing Apple for TCE exposure in a Sunnyvale building. Sunnyvale has had multiple public requests for information about this poisoning of an Apple employee. This is serious business. We have chemicals which can damage human life. So, you know, please stay on top of measurement. I love this facility. I love the design. I love the involvement. I love my neighbors who work for applied materials and I have family members who work for applied materials. Please mitigate the negative aspects. Thank you very much. Thank you for your contributions, Mr. Meyer. Uh, recording officer, do we have anyone else wishing to speak at this time? Will you not, Vice Chair? All right. Um, given that there are no additional comments and given that we are past the planning session, I wanted to first extend my uh, gratitude to the city staff for the for the presentation and also to the applicant. Thank you so much for bringing this to the planning commission. Um, and at this time, I'm going to adjourn the staff uh, the study, se study session at 7:05 p.m. Good evening. Let's call to order the Planning Commission meeting of, of Monday, October 9th, 2023 at 7.05 p.m. The city strongly denounces hate speech and does not tolerate disruptive behavior in our meetings. Sunnyvale prides itself on the rich diversity of our residents. We are committed to creating a culture of belonging where members of our diverse community feel included, safe, and respected. Before we get started, I'd like to remind participants of some procedural items for this meeting. During the meeting, remote participants will remain muted when not speaking. If remote participants have a question or comment, please use the raise hand feature. Speakers will be called upon to speak one at a time, and a random order voice vote will be administered by the recording officer for each vote. Members of the public may participate in person, online, or by telephone to provide public comment. Please submit a speaker card to the recording officer in person, or use the raise hand featured online to request to speak on a telephone, that's star nine. Location and teleconference meeting details are available on the agenda. Captions are available to viewers accessing this meeting via Zoom. Captions can be displayed or hidden using the show captions button. Comments on matters not on the agenda must be submitted prior to the time I call the item for oral communications. Comments on agenda items must be submitted prior to the time I close the public hearing on the agenda item. Speakers are requested to keep their comments to no more than three minutes, and time limits will be strictly enforced. Guidelines are posted on the city's website and on the meeting agenda. Please join me in the salute to the flag. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Recording officer, may we please have the roll call? Commissioner Davis. Present. Chair Pine. Present. Commissioner Howard. Yep. Commissioner Cerrone. Present. Vice, Vice Chair Iglesias. Present. Commissioner Shukla. Present. Commissioner Howe. Present.
We have seven commissioners present. Thank you. Uh, that brings us to oral communications. Members of the public will now have an opportunity to address the Planning Commission on topics not listed on tonight's agenda. This section is limited to 15 minutes and may be extended or continued after the public hearings general business section of the agenda. Individuals are limited up to one appearance with a maximum of up to three minutes per speaker. As a reminder to the public, please submit a speaker card to the recording officer, raise your digital hand now, or dial star nine on telephone if you wish to address the Planning Commission. I will call members of the public participating in person first, then the recording officer will ask remote participants to unmute their microphone when it is their turn to address the planning commission. Speakers will have three minutes to speak and the time will be displayed on the screen. I have no in-person speaker cards under oral communication. Uh, is anyone else interested in speaking under oral communications before we hear from remote speakers? If, if not, uh, Uh, we will do agenda. There will be if you're speaking on a specific agenda item, there will be a time to do that when we get when we call that item for public hearing. Uh, yeah, this is for item. This is for items that are not. This is for if you want to talk, talk about any planning commission kind of thing that isn't on tonight's agenda. Uh, so I have no in-person speakers for oral communications. Recording officer, do we have any remote participants wishing to speak under oral communications? Not at this time, Chair. Thank you. I will go ahead and close oral communications, and bring, that brings us to the consent calendar. I will go ahead and open public comment on consent calendar items. Uh, members of the public wishing to address the Planning Commission, please submit a speaker card to the recording officer. Use the raise hand feature now, dial star nine on telephone to indicate that you wish to speak. I will call members of the public participating in person first, and the recording officer will ask remote participants to unmute their microphone when it is their turn to address the Planning Commission. Speakers will have three minutes to speak, and the timer will be displayed on the screen. I have no in-person speaker cards on the consent calendar. Is anybody else wishing to speak on a consent item before we hear from remote speakers? Seeing none, uh, recording officer, do we have any remote participants wishing to speak on this item? Will you not, Chair? Thank you. I'll close public comment on the consent calendar, and I will now ask for a motion from my colleagues. Commissioner Howe. Yeah, I move the, to approve the Planning Commission meeting minutes of September 25th as written, the only item on the consent calendar. Thank you. Vice Chair. Second. Thank you. Recording uh, uh, officer, please conduct a roll call vote on the consent calendar. Chair Pine. Uh, yes. Commissioner Howard. Yes. Commissioner Cerrone. Yes. Commissioner Shukla. Yes. Vice Chair Iglesias? Yes. Commissioner Davis? Yes. Commissioner Howe? Yes. The motion passes with seven yeses. Thank you. That brings us to public hearings general business of tonight's agenda. Our first item is item 23-0837, forward a recommendation to the City Council for a proposed project general plan amendment initiation to consider amending the general plan land use designation from low density residential to low medium density residential. This is location is 781 South Wolf Road. The current zoning is R0. Is there a staff report? Yes. Good evening. My name is Kelly Chan. I'm the project planner for the General Plan Amendment Initiation, or GPI, at 781 South Wolf Road. Um, as you may already know, the GPI requests are um, considered quarterly basis, and if it is um, initiated after the Planning Commission recommendation, um, 
with the city council um, approval, then they, the property owner or an applicant would be able to submit a formal GPA general plan amendment application. Once that's submit, once that's completed, then they would be able to submit a development application consistent with the result of that study. So next. The subject site um, is located um, mid-block on South Wolf Road, south of Old San Francisco. So the project site is um, uh, has the yellow boundary around it. And immediately north of that site, there is a eight single family home development that actually went through GPI request, um, GPI process as well. And then um, further north, there's some apartments with um, medium density residential. And uh, if you go towards the old San Francisco road, you can see the shopping center with several retail tenants um, and a guest station in, in the corner. Next, please. The map shows the general plan, existing general plan map. The property is shown as low density residential with the low medium density residential immediately, immediately above. Next, please. This map is showing the existing zoning, also showing low density R0 zoning designation for the pro, um, subject property and um, R2PD, R3 and C1 um, south of the property, up north of the property, sorry. Next, please. And the GPI request is um, to study the general plan amendment to low medium density from low density and to rezone its property to R2PD from R0. And the applicant is um, considering developing this lot once it's approved with those designation changes um, with eight small uh, lot single family homes. Next, please. This is showing the concept plan of the applicant um, once it's approved with the GPA and uh, rezoning. And they would be um, subdivided into eight uh, single family lots and, um, and it will be accessed from Luster Leaf Drive. And they would have to um, utilize the plan development combining zoning district to um, be more consistent with that zoning district. So um, staff, thank you, staff are um, presenting three options to consider for planning commission. The first one is low medium density that is consistent with the applicant's request. For the low medium density, the density would be allowed, seven to 14 dwelling units per acre density would be allowed. And typical zoning districts that are consistent with this uh, general plan designation is R1.5, R1.7, and R2 zoning districts. And if this is um, developed with single family homes, which it could be, then they are also, there is also potential for adding ADUs and junior ADUs on those lots. And this particular designation is compatible with the existing uh, residential neighborhood and the land use pattern. And it has better transition um, to the existing single family home neighborhood to the south. And also because the this particular zone, a general plan designation is immediately north of this project site. So the, the transition of the general plan designation would be smoother. Next, please. Another um, 
option is to consider medium density. This is a little bit higher density than low medium. The density allowed is 15 to 25, 25 dwelling units per acre. And typical zoning districts is uh, we've seen with this particular general plan designation is R3. And um, past few years, we have seen um, R3 develop with townhome developments of around um, 18 dwelling units per acre. And if we apply the same rate, um, this particular site could have up to 12 units um, per acre on this particular site. This also can be developed with single family homes it, it, if the units can be um, accommodated, but it might be difficult to achieve one of our um, policy in general plan housing element, which uh, requires at least 75% of the um, maximum zoning density to be built for any new development allowed. And also, even though there is a medium density um, north of the project site, the, the transition might not be as smooth as the uh, previous, recommend, previous option of low medium density. Next, please. The last option staff is presenting is a low density, which is um, the exactly the same um, general plan designation. And the density allowed is zero to seven dwelling units per acre. And typically these are R0 or R1 zoning districts, which are our single family home zoning districts. And because of the size of the lot, it can be uh, subdivided into four lots and addition to the single family homes, they can have additional ADUs and junior ADUs, or those four lots could be um, developed with dual urban housing, dual, dual urban opportunity housing provision, which, which could allow up to 16 units on those lots. Um, so these are the alternatives the staff is presenting. Um, and as you can see the number four, oh, sorry, next please. These are the alternatives uh, staff is presenting. And um, as you can see, number four has um, basically uh, starting the GPA study after completion of another that was approved and currently underway. There's some high level of development activities that's currently um, with the city. And there are several um, general plans general plan amendment studies that have been um, approved and underway. And also we are anticipating a couple of policy projects that we are re recommending that this can be delayed a little bit to uh, better manage the work items that have been assigned to planning staff. Um, next, please. So the staff recommendation is to recommend to the city council alternative one, initiate the GPA study to change the designation from low density residential to low medium density residential and to uh, commence GPA study after completion of a GPA study at 1313 South Wolf Road. Um, before I conclude my staff recommendation, there were several uh, comment letters that we received. Um, three were uh, attached as part of the staff report. Most of the, generally they were concerned with the traffic uh, safety safety related to the increased traffic and also privacy concerns. And um, we actually, there was a late communication that was um, distributed to the planning commission this afternoon that also echoes the same um, general con concerns related to traffic safety and privacy. 
And um, I would like to also add that there was an, um, a phone call received from a senior resident from the Brawley neighborhood as well, basically echoing some traffic concerns. So that concludes staff recommendation and I'm ready to answer any of the planning uh, questions you may have. Thank you. Uh, as a reminder, my colleagues, please, please use the raise hand button to indicate that you wish to speak. Uh, first up is Vice Chair Glacius. Thank you, Chair. Uh, thank you so much for the presentation. Uh, first question I have is about um, if we were to go with the study, uh, is there a review? Is there any type of environmental impact review or traffic study or or what would come out of that of that study? The general plan amendment study definitely would have to look at, at the impacts of the, um, because this is not something that we have been contemplated as part of the land use and uh, transportation element. We would have to look at what kind of um, environmental study we would need to look at. So that would be part of the uh, GPA study. So we're not, at this moment, we're not particularly sure whether this would impact the traffic studies per se, because there is um, there is a mixed use, the village center north of the site. So the VMT might not be as impacted, although there's a neighborhood concerns related to traffic safety. Um, we could definitely look at those, but I'm not sure if that'll trigger CEQA. Okay, and then follow-up question. Um, if So if we agreed with alternative one, um, and then the study was conducted, what would be the next steps? The study would be presented back to the planning commission for review, right? So, um, so if the the study was in the recommended from the planning commission to initiate, and the city council is um, scheduled for November fourteenth. So, if city council initiates the study, then the applicant or the property owner is allowed to submit a formal application to study this general plan amendment. So they would have to um, submit an application and the staff will definitely study and present it back to planning commission, what we have studied and what our recommendation would be before city council makes the final decision to whether to change the uh, designation. All right, thank you very much. All right, thank you. Uh, next up is Commissioner Cerrone. Uh, thank you, Chair, and thank you for the presentation. Um, this, uh, why isn't this uh, proposed action uh, spot zoning? We're changing the zoning just for this project, right? Right, this uh, one particular property, but it's not considered spot zoning per se because we already have a same zoning district right above this property. So the Firethorn development uh, what went through same GPI, GPA process. So their general plan designation is low medium density and their zoning district is right now R2PD. So it'll be continuation of the same designations that it's not gonna be considered spot zoning. Okay. Uh, yeah, you mentioned the, the Firethorn uh, development and, and it looks like they, uh, lowered the uh density or the uh you know the zoning for that is that because of what you said the the difficulty of building out the whole area why was that why was that done um i guess it was done a while ago so yeah it was maybe. done a while ago yeah, <laughs> but um i i believe they actually wanted to create single family homes and I think that was more consistent with um, lower density. I believe that is the reason why they requested that. 
And you mentioned uh, in the presentation the uh, with uh, with eight homes. You said a potential for ADU and and a junior ADU for these single-family home lots is are these lots really big enough to support an ADU? Well, um, if <laughs> the concept plan was submitted. Um, there is always potential for junior ADUs. I'm not too sure standard ADU might be allowed or like new construction of a, a new new square footage. I'm not too sure because of the small lot situation that might be created right. with this particular um, study. But there is always potential for conversion of an existing single family home space. Well, junior ADU. Yeah. yeah. And um, I would guess that any privacy issues would be, uh, you know, could be dealt with when an actual detailed plans are provided that we would want. That's correct. Trees around the edge and uh, maybe high windows or, or whatever, those kind of things. Mm -hmm. And I, I noticed the, uh, the traffic concerns from the neighbors, uh, some were related to uh, exiting on wolf and some to uh is it lusterleaf the uh the other so um but right now the proposal is uh not to have an exit to uh um to wolf um so the then the other question is the uh parking and if there is no guest parking in tandem parking uh, I guess the concern is there isn't really enough parking. So that I just wanted to clarify, I'm not too sure where the tandem parking um, information got out, but the applicant as proposed, well, as shown on the concept plan, they're not proposing a tandem parking for those single family homes. They're uh, planning to have two car garage with two uh, car driveway in front, which is what is required for single family homes in Sunnyvale. Um, but for single family home development, we don't require guest parking. So there won't be additional guest parking required um, for um, if that goes through. Okay, but I think you're saying if they, uh, if they use their uh, garage for parking, which I've heard people do that, I don't know. <laughs> uh, there, there could be two cars in the garage and then two cars in the driveway. Yes, for for parking spaces. Right, yeah. Right. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Next up is Commissioner Howard. Thank you. Um, so I just wanted to uh, kind of clarify because I, I, it, it, it's always kind of weird when you're coming into the planning commission, uh, and, and things are new. That there's the general plan initiation, and there's a, so there's that process, and there's a general plan amendment. Is, is is that the formal rezoning process? That's correct. Okay. So that will definitely change study yeah. what is consistent, what would be more feasible. Yeah. Um, study the request of the applicant, of course, and that will be another that will be one of the alternatives. Okay. And then there there will be other alternatives that staff would consider to make sure what to ensure that whatever we're recommending, staff is recommending would be uh ideal but just so process wise for members of the public who are interested we've got the planning commission for the gpi and then the city council for the gpi then the planning commission for the G general general plan amendment, mm -hmm. amendment process and then the city council for the general plan amendment process 
and all that's absent of the the there, there's the conceptual site plan but that's that could be anything this is like what you could do there but this that's in no way what's being proposed um so it's good to express to the developer your concerns with oh do you want two car garages you, you know what do you want to see and but in terms of getting too into the weeds of what's been proposed nothing's being proposed right now except to change the zoning and that's it, it's quite a ways out before we get to the nitty gritties of the project so that's just good to know going forward uh i figured since i had the time i'll just quickly throw in a couple of comments really for the developer sorry to bar borrow on the staff time um one is it, it might be neat to have a pedestrian passageway available for people in the neighborhood to pass through from luster leaf over to wolf road to get up to the shopping center i don't know if there is a pedestrian access from the neighborhood side to the shopping center that's kind of convenient without going a long way around so that might be a nice amenity to consider um and my other thought was uh there was a project approved with a similar process they had to get up to r2 over at 838 azure and they took an approach of uh single family homes kind of uh sculpting around like a modified motor court it never got built but i thought it was an interesting project and it would be something that i would reference if i was trying to conceive of what to put on this site thank you for your time Thank you. Uh, next up is Commissioner Davis. Thank you. Thank you, Chair. Thank you for the presentation. I just had a couple of small questions. Um, first of all, it's it's R zero there, but it's six thousand square foot minimum instead of eight thousand square foot minimum lot size for this That's area. Correct. R0 uh, requires minimum of 6,000. R1 okay. requires 8,000. That's right. That's right. And is there a minimum lot size for R2? R2 is also 6,000, I believe. Okay. So um, this conceptual plan then would require a, a waiver or exception? Right. So they would have to apply for special development uh, special development permit to mm -hmm. request a smaller lot as well as the... Um, deviation as well as the deviation from the minimum lot width okay and judging by what i've seen in the city we've granted those many we, times in the past we have a council policy that allows small lots of a small lot um development so that they would be um utilizing that particular okay. policy as well and then um is there a minimum parking requirement for r2 i know for r1 and r0 there's two covered and two uncovered so um, R2, we, we require two covered and two uncovered for two units as well. So if they were to develop in one lot a duplex unit, mm -hmm. for those two units, we would require two covered and two uncovered. Okay. And then uh, going back to if they just lived with the zoning as it is right now, mm -hmm. they could subdivide into four lots. You still have 6,000, easily past 6,000 square feet. This is what, 29,000? and then build a main building that would have two units and then you could apply a JADU and an ADU on top of that for each of those? Um, if you're just talking about single family home development on those subdivided lots, mm -hmm. so they could have um, one single family home and two ADUs, one okay. standard ADU and one junior ADU. So that'll be 12 units maximum okay. but if you were to use the um the dual dual urban opportunity housing provision mm -hmm. which is commonly known as sb9 mm -hmm. then you would be able to um, put two main dwelling and two adus on each lot okay 
And so that would be a, a total of 16. And uh, are there size restrictions on these units? Um, yeah, the they still have to comply with the 45% FAR okay. as well. So that would be something they would have to uh, comply with. It's, All right, that's a yeah, pretty tight <laughs> yeah. window to fit into. <laughs> but uh, I guess you could be you could have a thing of tiny homes then. Okay, thank you. That's all my questions. Thank you. Thank you. And I had a few questions. Uh, uh, regarding the study, uh, would it look at uh, the part some of the parking questions that have been raised? Um, could you repeat that? Sorry, parking. Uh, would it look at? I guess the I guess what I'm getting. Uh, so, like, would it look at at least at a minimum what like the current parking conditions are? I'm just, this is just something I'm curious about. Um, I would assume so. Well, it's it's going to be a very high level study looking at the land use change, yep. and it's going to be as Commissioner Howard mentioned, it's going to be detached from uh, an actual project. What's being presented now is just a concept, just to give a maybe a preview of what could be. So we, we might touch upon it, like what would be needed just per current regulations. And that's, you know, for the decision makers to take into mind when looking at the appropriate density, is there enough space to accommodate all the parking? But we don't really get into the specifics of the, the type of parking because it, it could be a, any type of project. Yeah, I'm not, I'm, I'm most concerned about that, that states. And I guess what I'm laying out is uh, the letter, like what we got, like the communications we had were basic, were saying and i'm kind of paraphrasing it that that there's street parking concerns in the area during like pick up during like start of school end of school hours now i walk when i walked the site it was eight o'clock it was eight o'clock on a saturday night and when i and on luster leaf between wolf north of wolf there was exactly one vehicle street park there so if i was just going off of that one data point my conclusion would be that there is plenty of street parking and there's nothing to worry about i now obviously i that obviously i but i think i guess what i'm going with is i'd like more data points and just i walked i walked the neighborhood at eight o'clock on a saturday night one day yeah i mean the the commission uh, could recommend a, a condition that that be part of the study having some type of um, parking analysis um just just looking at what the potential unit count could be and, and how many parking that would require and um, that that could th theoretically be built in it if that was uh, the direction. Uh, yeah, thank you. Uh, the other question I had is just whether how any of the study process interacts with our safe routes to schools policy because I am a little because I just I just think it is worth because like I found the relevant area to be relatively straightforwardly walkable when I stopped by again at eight o'clock on a Saturday night. <laughs> but like I, I wanted, I would be curious how that I, and again, I didn't go and dig through our safe routes to schools policy before this hearing, but I just, I was just wondering if that was also something that if there's any potential interaction there. Um, it, it's not something we usually look at, but um, I mean, that's, really more for the project but um if again that could be a, another direction yeah. but um i just yeah go ahead oh um yeah i mean it, it, we just lo are looking at really the high high level land use change and what types of 
um, traffic generation could result in that. And then if there's any kind of um, operational issues that need to be addressed. But um, usually any kind of safe route to school improvements are done with uh, a project. Yeah. I'm, yeah. And I'm not even just think, thinking about improvements. I'm just making sure we're not going to like degrade anything. Uh, uh, the, like the the reason I'm also kind of doing this now is I get what we have is just the conceptual project. I'm not going to get, I don't, this is obviously not the time to get into the weeds on project design, but the problem, but given state housing laws, like when we get kind of the outcome of the study and we get the GP and we get the actual GPA, that is to a certain extent, the last time we have significant control over what goes there. So like, if we propose a GPA that allows stuff, we, something we don't want to happen, then we have to be open to the possibility that the something we don't want to happen will happen and we will not be able to deny it under state housing laws. So I just, I, I know I'm kind of getting into kind of asking to kind of front load things, but I do think under state housing laws, I do think it's important. I do think we kind of do need to front load things because once we've approved the GP, once we've approved the GPA, once we've approved the rezone, then the project is going, then the eventual project is going to have a, going to be able to essentially put whatever fits, whatever meets the legis, what we've established legislatively, and we will not have that much le leeway to deny it at that stage. Uh, and so, yeah, and actually my one other question is, uh, there's been, we got a lot of comments on the street orientation, whether it should be attached to luster leaf, whether it should be attached, whether it should be attached to wolf. And at what stage would that decision be made? That would be during the development application review process. So that'll be after GPAs. Okay. That was all I had. Uh, so let's go to the public hearing. Uh, there's. Uh, I will go ahead and open the public hearing on this specific item. There is one applicant. Uh, 10 minutes is provided at the beginning of the public hearing to address the planning commission along with five minutes at the end of the public hearing. Thank you. Uh, is there an applicant presentation? Doing well. uh, my name is Forrest Mozart, applicant. Um... I think Kelly did a great job introducing the project. I don't want to kind of replicate anything she said, but um, I think this is a great site for increasing the density. And uh, like Kelly said, from four to eight. And um, I saw the neighbor's concerns with parking. And uh, I'm not really sure where that came from because every house would have two car parking next to each other with an apron. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's a great project for increasing the density and not kind of overdoing it. Um, and I, that's kind of all I have, really. Thanks. Thank you. Uh, as a reminder, my colleagues, if you have any questions for the applicant, please use the raise hand button. Uh, you should come back up, <laughs> and and you can adjust raise the microphone so you don't have to kind of squat down. Uh, we have a question from Commissioner Davis. Uh, thank you, Chair. Uh, thanks for coming tonight. Um, I, I was reading through the history. So this house was built in 1965. Um, I was wondering, 
and you're the applicant. Did you grow up in the house or? I did not. No. You did not. Okay. Yeah. So um, I do drive by this area getting home most days. Um, it's always stood out to me as, um, well, someone bought a big piece of land a long time ago and built a big house. <laughs> so it's always, always stood out that way. Um, actually, that's, that was my only question. Thank you. Yeah, sure. Thank you. I see no other commissioner hands at this time. Uh, so uh, you can sit down uh, and I will uh, go to members of the public. Uh, members of the public planning to, wishing to address the planning commission, please submit a speaker card to the recording officer. Use the raise hand feature now or dial star nine on a telephone to indicate that you wish to speak. I will call upon members of the public participating in person first, and then the recording officer will ask remote participants to unmute when it is their turn to address the planning commission. Speakers will have three minutes to speak, and the timer will be displayed on the screen. I have a few speaker cards. Uh, first up is Nilambari Paradkar, uh, followed by Project Projakta Vartak. Thank you, um, all of you, all the members of the committee, for giving me a chance to express my concerns. I live in the Firethorn Terrace neighborhood, which is adjacent and north of the new develop, proposed development. And I have three big concerns. One is parking safety, personal safety, and privacy. So the proposed plan for this development does, well, I guess uh, there was an understanding of um, limited parking spaces. We didn't see any parking spaces for the guests in the parking, um, the development map. So um, that has raised a lot of concerns among the neighbors on either side of this proposed park property, on Wolf and also on Lustrum. So as for our concerns, our access is from South Road and we face a lot of problems with that access. First being parking. There are six to eight cars parked on either side of our access. That limits our visibility onto high traffic Wolf Road, making it very risky for us to merge into the big truck. Uh, during the rush hours, it takes up to six to seven minutes only to merge right onto Wolf Road. We can't even turn left onto Wolf Road to go north to Central Express. So that is a big concern. If there are more cars parked on Wolf Road, spillover parking from this new development, forget it. We are very, very concerned that we could safely merge into the traffic. So uh, that is one. Second is the speed. The speed limit on Wolf is 35 miles an hour, but the vehicles drive even faster. So if someone were to have parked parallel on that street, that is very dangerous. And our kids cannot play in the cul-de-sac, even though it is a cul-de-sac, our kids cannot play safely because there are so many cars, Just they just decide to turn in. They realize, oh, we have gone past and then they turn in, it's not safe. Our kids can't even walk alone to Brawley Park or Brawley School, which could be their, which is their neighborhood school. I would drive my son to two minutes drive to Brawley. So, um, also, with access being on board, there is a lot of trash coming all the time. 
and uh, it's a nightmare to keep our community clean. And uh, also privacy. There is a lot of privacy issues um, from trees that would be demolished or felled for building new homes. So I do request that privacy be maintained for us, the new families coming in and all the neighborhood um, homes. So I just request the committee to consider everybody's safety. And Thank you. Thank you. Uh, next up is Prajakta Vartak, followed by Brian Williams. Good evening, members of Planning Commission. Thank you for this opportunity to express our concerns. Uh, I'm, I'm presenting also on behalf of, uh, I'm a Firethorn resident and presenting on behalf of our all the residents. We have submitted our concerns online uh, to Kelly. And um, in addition to what Nilambari said, uh, I want to add, yes, our concern is about parking issue because if there are not enough parking spaces within the community, the new community that will be developed, it will spill over to Wolf and that's causing visibility issues and uh, safety issues for our community. So that's definitely there. I, uh, I support that. The second concern is privacy. We all have uh, bigger backyards and if the houses that are built on the new a uh, lot if they are the lot size is smaller and if the houses are too close to our uh, houses uh, I think that creates a lot of privacy concern because they are directly peeping into our backyards as well as our houses so I, I request uh, that is one of our concern and if the windows are constructed in a way that our privacy is maintained that will be very helpful um, apart from that uh, I wanted to also bring up if there are a lot of trees uh, within that lot, uh, which are helping with our privacy right now. And also it's helping with uh, noise pollution and because the Wolf Road has such high traffic, it helps with other pollution as well. So I would uh, request to maintain some greenery over there and, and privacy trees again to uh, help with our privacy. And the last thing I would say is uh, I'm sure uh, these health and safety concerns will be according to the policies while the construction is going on, but it will be great if they, because there are such big pine trees there when they are cut or done any, if there is anything that's happening, it would be good for us to be notified in advance and taken care of our safety while they're removing the trees or any of that things. Um, so I think in, just to summarize, I think, uh, helping with providing ample parking would be great. Um, continuing to have the uh, exit from Luster Leaf Drive, um, plant any any pre-grown trees or privacy trees be maintained along with the windows that will be facing Python houses, uh, and a significant distance to be maintained from our backyards. That would be. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, next up is Brian Williams, and that's my last speaker card. Right. Uh, uh, Commissioner Howard, did you have a question? I uh, what was it for the previous? No, no, not, not, not for a speaker. Okay. Okay. Uh, next up is Brian Williams, uh, and that's my last in-person speaker card. So if you're in person and you wanted to speak to this item, uh, please submit a speaker card now. Hi, Brian Williams. I've been living in the Brawley area neighborhood all my life. Uh, I'm not sure your traffic assessment is properly picked up how much through traffic we get between the high, higher density 
apartment complexes and Wolf Road. Uh, during the commute hours, we can actually get quite a bit of traffic through there because otherwise people have to go out to Fair Oaks or Old San Francisco Road. Uh, also, this is putting, what, 16 plus cars into a very small choke point exit. I, that just sounds like a that sounds like a pretty big mess and a safety hazard. Uh, also, we haven't had an entrance on Luster Leaf. The original development never had an entrance on Luster Leaf, and I are we waiving some? Are we waiving restrictions? Pre-existing restrictions on that? Uh, it, this is for you to speak, and oh. there will be, oh. if there are answers, they will be after the public hearing. All right. Otherwise, yeah, the, the, and we, and, uh, We've also had issues in the past with a lot of with uh, surveillance cars for burglars coming into the neighborhood and using that little cul-de-sac. And right now we've sort of been able to keep track of whose car is who. But once we do have all this additional parking coming in with all guest parking, it's going to be a lot harder for us to do that. Thank you. Thank you. I have no. We would usually have, we would usually have to have go back to the dais and staff after we finish hearing from all public speakers. Uh, I have no further uh, in-person speakers. Uh, recording officer, uh, do we have any remote participants wishing to speak on this item? Yes, Chair, we have two hands raised. I'll go ahead and allow Stephen Meyer the floor to speak first. Thank you. Hello again. Planning Commissioners, thank you so much for your attention. I just want to mention with this development and any other development that pathways are critically important to allow easy access for pedestrians and bicycles. We have a problem with large developments blocking access, having locked gates. So we have to walk around, which impedes access. So we, we need more pathways to be created. I'm not sure if you can do this as part of zoning, but for each and every development that you see, I'd really like you to consider the opportunity for pedestrians and cyclists to pass through the property area. Thank you so much. I yield the rest of my time. Thank you. Next, we'll hear from Gomathi Bala. Hello. Thanks. Thanks for the opportunity to hear me. I'm a Lester Leaf resident as well uh, for the last 10 years. And it was interesting to hear from the Firethorn Terrace neighbors, the similar concerns that we have brought up from our community. Um, one of the things I really would request to see is the study. We required to um, study further on the concerns that were brought up uh, from the Firethorn neighbors, similar to ours, which is, you know, people should be feeling safe to back out from the community, uh, from that uh, density. And the parking should be sufficient so that we don't impact the neighborhood. 
So I, I hope uh, that is considered as part of the study and also provide some options of what the st study can be between Lusterleaf as the entrance for the traffic versus Wolf being the entrance for the traffic. I don't think we can suggest anything at this stage, but the study should provide more uh, information so that you know we are uh, making well-informed decisions. Thank you. Uh, I no further hands raised, Chair. Thank you. Uh, okay, I'm going to go back to the applicant. You have an additional five minutes at this time to make to, for closing comments. You can respond. You can use this time to respond to concerns raised by members of the public, or say whatever you have to say about the project. Sure, I think um, kind of addressing some of the uh, neighbors. Sorry, could you hold on one second? Okay, please proceed. Um, just addressing some of the neighbors' concerns, I think uh, as far as privacy, I would definitely, you know, try and put some large trees in the backyards to kind of block um, their houses off. Uh, um, I personally think the entrance should be off luster leaf because of the speed of traffic on Wolf. I think it's, it is kind of dangerous. Um, plus, I think it makes for a nicer project. Um, my experience with driving around the neighborhood, it seems like there's a ton of street parking on that backside on Luster Leaf. So I'm not really sure. I guess we, there's a probably a traffic study that would need to be done, but um, yeah, I think that's kind of, that's it. Thank you. Uh, I don't see any commissioner questions. Uh, we do have a commissioner question, uh, vice chair. I'm sorry, it, it wasn't. Is it for the applicant? No, it's not for the applicant. Okay. And okay, in that case, I will go ahead and close the public hearing. Uh, are there any questions? I'll ask for discussion or motion from my colleagues. Vice Chair. Apologize, I was excited. Um, uh, so not a motion, uh, just a discussion for the commissioners, which is um, I am supportive of a fact-finding mission. Um, I, I don't view approving the, the recommendation as approving a rezoning, I approve it. I, I view it as approving uh, the effort and energy to dig into, to evaluate some of the, the very real um, issues that have been identified by the residents there. Um, I'm supportive of having a traffic study uh, being required and a parking study. I do believe that uh, our building guidelines and restrictions would help secure and ensure that privacy is maintained if, they, if we did move forward, ultimately um, allowing for building. So I think that privacy can be addressed, but I think that it's been loud and, and heard uh, that both parking and um, traffic could be something we can look into. Thank you. Commissioner Howard. Chair, sure, I can either make comments or a motion and then make comments. Uh, I'd prefer the motion first. Uh, Commissioner Davis, did you have a question for? Not a question. Okay. Okay. In that case, Commissioner Howard. You want me to make the motion or? Go for it. Okay. I would like to propose alternative one, initiated general plan amendment study to analyze amending the general plan land use designation from a low density to low medium density at 781 South Wolf, pursuant to applicant's request and find that uh, the action is exempt from CEQA. Did you also want to move alternative four or just alternative one? Uh, 
I'll, sure. I'll, I'll move I'll, alternative alternative uh, four is to alternative four in, in addition to commence the general plan amendment study after completion. Well, actually, with 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 all due respect, I I would decline alternative four because uh, what we've tended to do is let the city council figure out what ordering they wanted to do, and we're just kind of saying, yeah, this sounds good, uh, city council. You you make the okay. decision. I just want to I just want to clarify. Thank you for offering that. Uh, no, I I would just stick okay. with alternative one for now. Okay, and I can second. Uh, Commissioner Shukla seconds. Uh, Commissioner Howard. All right, thank you. Um, yeah, uh, a couple of notes. Um, I appreciate the. I always appreciate feedback from the residents, and so some of some of my notes were in response to that. I know there's a concern about school parking. I live across the street from uh, Bishop Elementary School, so I can tell you, uh, school parking can be kind of hectic sometimes. But it's a it's an issue that occurs about 20 minutes a day during the school year in the morning and to a lesser degree in the afternoon. Um, I wouldn't use that as as a primary factor in trying to work on planning policy in that regard. Uh, I also appreciated the concern about uh, crime right now. That I don't know if anybody's living in that house, but you've got this cul-de-sac and there's no eyes on it. And you're putting a lot of effort into keeping eyes on it. Well, if you put a couple houses there, you've got some more eyes on the street. The more the more people you have in your neighborhood, the more people you have possibly at home, possibly keeping an eye out, the harder it is to drive around the neighborhood and look for opportunities for crime. So uh, in that regard, uh, I think that um, drives more. Uh, I, I I think that the strategy of moving to R2PD actually gives the city more control over with with regard to state housing laws where you can split the lot and then do JD, GA, junior ADUs and parking exemptions and all this kind of stuff. Uh, there is some risk in not doing anything and that the developer could do some pretty creative stuff that's counterintuitive to the way Sunnyvale chooses to develop uh, its residential areas. Going to R2, which is consistent with the zoning adjacent to it, um, is intuitive. And I think it gives us a little bit more control because you've got the standards for the R2 medium density uh, residential districts that are more consistent with, with what we've worked out as a city and what we want to see and the way that we want to develop. And um, I think that there's a risk if we didn't do that, that you know all kinds of crazy stuff could be done under state law. So it's probably better if the developer wants to go R2 uh, and that we should we should facilitate that because they're uh, the conceptual plan is in line with the kind of stuff that we've wanted as a city. Um, with that, my other note was uh, I really appreciate the comment about the danger on Wolf Road and the 35 mile per hour and the speeding. Um, and I went and double checked. Uh, Sunnyvale has a Vision Zero policy, and Wolf Road is identified for almost the entire length as a high injury corridor. Uh, so I. If it's not inappropriate, it would be nice during this development process if we could uh, make an inquiry with uh, uh, Public Works as to the progress on the Vision Zero plans for Wolf Road uh, that could help cultivate community support for this change. Uh, and I definitely endorse: uh, don't you know, you know, take take access off of Wolf as much as possible for vehicular. Uh, move over to left luster leaf just because for the the reasons articulated um driveways and wolf just don't work and there are opportunities for collision uh and and back to my earlier comment if there is a if it's appropriate if there's an option for pedestrians to walk through to get up to shopping if that's something that's desired in the neighborhood then please consider that uh, on the applicant side thank you uh thank you commissioner davis um 
once again. So uh, thank you everyone who's come out tonight and spoken. Um, you know, maybe some of the comments are not quite in scope for what we're looking at tonight, but I think it it conveys really valuable information to the applicant, to city staff of what the concerns of the community are and so on. Um, and we'll probably make up some of the time later on uh, because those concerns will be addressed uh, when we get to actual applications. Um, Brawley Elementary has an interesting attendance zone. Um, I, I used to coach in Sunnyvale Metro Little League, um, had some players that attended Brawley Elementary and um, a large number of the students don't live um, particularly far away from the school. Uh, so I would not be surprised at all if there is more traffic during school drop-off and pick-up pick times around Lusterleaf uh, than we would normally expect because there are, there are children who are having to be driven two and three miles um, to get to school and literally driving past two other elementary schools to get there. So, um, and I believe this is in Santa Clara Unified School District. Um, all of the issues about parking, privacy, um, yeah, they're, they're very true. A wolf is very dangerous. Um, every time I drive down it, I say it's a great candidate for narrowing and traffic calming. Um, and maybe we could get some of the people um, who don't live in Sunnyvale who are just using it to race through off the road if if we made it, um, if we built the road for the people who live there instead of people transiting. Uh, but where this all leads is I, I support the motion. Um, I think we're, this is a very deliberative process. Um, lots of information will be gained. Uh, I think the R2 is, uh, is appropriate for this area. Um, the, and I should also point out that um, we have an applicant who's not playing um, what I'll call the property developer game, where they come in and propose something outlandish. And when they come back to something that's a, a slight amendment to the zoning, they act like um, they're the most magnanimous person that was ever born. So that's not happening now. Um, let's... Uh, let's not abuse the applicant's good faith. Um, it's a deliberative process and um, and do this the Sunnyvale way. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Commissioner Shukla, did you want to speak to your second? Uh, yes, I, I, I just don't want to repeat all my fellow commissioners said, and I understand that there were, there are some issues on Wolf, but I agree that if we have the entrance from the the side inside neighborhood road, uh, it will solve a lot of problems of wolf. And um, uh, I think the traffic um, on wolf is um, kind of crazy. Like certain time it's really, really busy and certain time it's not busy because there is a shopping center around the corner. Um, and I go there once in a while and it's completely empty. And I wonder that are they going to survive there? So I don't know, like, what's the situation that the gas station and the uh, the park, uh, the other stores and restaurants, they're almost empty every time I go there. And I don't know, maybe, so the traffic is like more like uh, they pass by, they are not the local traffic. So I can understand if the entrance is from the wolf side. 
So I, I'm more on the, I prefer to have it from the leaf. What is the name of the street? Yeah, the- Luster leaf. The, yeah, Luster leaf drive. And um, it's a cul-de-sac, I mean, it's like a dead end. So um, there will be some problem there too, the car coming and going, but I think I'm sure that applicant will work it out with the neighbors and uh, privacy issue will be solved. And I think it's a good, uh, all other things I'm not going to repeat, but it's a good good project. And uh, let's, I'm going to suggest, um, uh, promote them, my, uh, my motion. Thank you. Thank you. Next up is Commissioner Cerrone. Uh, thanks, Chair. I just wanted to clarify that if we approve this, uh, staff will go off, uh, it looks like after some other things at some point, we'll do a study, come back to us with more information, which we will then have to vote to approve. Is that correct? That's correct. So the City Council will consider this item after Planning Commission um, recommendation, and then applicant will have uh, will be allowed to submit an, a formal application once they submit an application then we'll um, start the study and then um then we'll come back to the planning commission uh with the result of the study and recommendation for the planning commission to consider and recommend to the city council and then um, city council will decide okay well that that uh clarifies it and I think as Chair Pine was alluding once we approve the zoning change we we may have very little leeway in terms of what we can do after that uh, uh, so but but given that situation I can support the motion thank you thank you next up is Commissioner Howe thank you a question of the maker of the motion is there something included in it that the chair brought up about uh, parking, and it's come up a number of times that we also study in this general plan amendment, um, parking on the uh, project. Uh, there, there, there's nothing required. I think maybe the feedback is, can be conveyed to staff, but I, I did not make anything specific about parking for, for this purpose. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and and uh, I'll be supporting the motion uh, that I think we've covered a lot of what what needs to be said about this project. I do trust staff to look into what needs to be looked into. Uh, and I think we've been pretty loud and clear that about what we want to be looked into. And I'm sure city council will as well when they get this item. A uh, couple things I just wanted to raise specifically. Uh, wolf access. I hear you. I don't think it's something that we sh that broadly we we should be addressing with this. However, I do think I do think in general it would it would be bet it would be good to it would be good for at some point to look at to look at the street parking there and honestly more broadly throughout the city look at how close the street how close the street parking is to egresses to cross to side streets i know there's some state legislation on that i on the side street question i don't know what happened to that bill uh but i think that but i think that but that's that's for public works that and that's for and that's something to raise to your city council member I, that's i think that's outside of the scope of this uh regarding people using using the driveway as a 
fast turnaround spot. I think that will be significantly mitigated by putting it on luster leaf because that because you'd be basically forming a T junction and people could just use the T junction turnaround there. If it what if it was on wolf, I'd be I'd suggest maybe having like a speed bump or something there to slow to slow people down moving in. But I think putting the entrance on luster leaf would kind of mitigate that. Uh, people mentioned the pedestrian path. Uh, that would be I think that's a good thing. Um, all none of that is actually none of that's actually relevant to what we're doing. The action we're doing tonight, but you know, since the applicants here, I figured I'd just kind of reiterate those points. Uh, the it's as to the zoning itself. I do think it fits the it fits the area. It's it marks it marks the transition zone. I think the. I think it's appropriate. I think it's appropriate. I think it's a better land use than having just one giant house there. And I would ask my colleagues to vote yes on this motion. Oh, with that, uh, city clerk, uh, recording officer, uh, please conduct a roll call vote. Commissioner Cerrone. Yes. Chair Pine. Yes. Commissioner Howard. Yes. Commissioner Shukla. Yes. Vice Chair Glasses. Yes. Commissioner Davis. Yes. Commissioner Howe. Yes. The motion passes with seven yeses. Thank you. Uh, and what is the fate of this pro of this item? Kelly, do you have the city council date? The item is scheduled for city council um, on November fourteenth. Thank you. And with that, uh, the planning commission will stand in recess until uh, eight fifteen p.m.
Actually, I have to go into the office tomorrow. Okay, the planning commission meeting has resumed. It is now 8.16 p.m. And we will proceed with our next item of business, which is item number three, uh, pro proposed project related applications on a 5.82 acre site, special development permit to demolish an existing surface parking lot at the rear of two office R&D buildings and conduct 225 apartment units at a density of 112.5 dwelling units per acre in an eight story building inclusive of three levels of above ground parking tentative parcel map to relocate the existing lot line between the two office R&D building lots, resulting in a 3.82 acre lot for the office R&D buildings and a two acre lot for the apartment development. Location is 1150 to 1170 Kiefer Road. The zoning is flexible mixed use one. Is there a staff report? Uh, yes, good evening, Chair, members of the Planning Commission. My name is George Schroeder, Principal Planner. I'm also the uh, project planner on the uh, proposal tonight. Uh, next slide, please. So the uh, requested permit is a special development permit and tentative parcel map to construct a new eight-story 225 apartment unit or apartment building with rental apartments. This includes uh, a total of 44 affordable housing units, including 36 low-income and eight very low-income units. Within the building is a parking structure, a three-level parking structure that would uh, include shared parking for uh, both the residential building and the existing office buildings just north of the uh, project site. Um, the uh, tentative parcel map would involve relocating the existing lot line, which runs in a north-south direction between the two existing uh, office buildings and essentially flipping the, the orientation to east to west so that there's one lot for the apartments and then one lot for the office buildings. Uh, this is a housing project and it is subject to the Housing Accountability, Accountability Act, SB 330, the Housing Crisis Act, and then uh, a state density bonus is also proposed uh, given the affordable units proposed. Next slide, please. Uh, so just some uh, background on the, the site. It is uh, transit mixed use. It's in the Lawrence Station area plan. Uh, the zoning is flexible mixed use one, and that allows uh, a range of different land uses on site, um, including residential, office, commercial. Um, the applicant has uh, proposed uh, a combination of incentives to get to the proposed density of 112 uh, and a half units an acre. This includes the uh, LSAP incentive program. They've selected some incentives that are worth 30 density points. And then based on the proposed affordable units, uh, they qualify for 50% state density bonus. Next slide, please. This is the vicinity map. So the site is at the southwest corner of San Zeno Way and Kiefer Road. And right along San Zeno Way is the Lawrence Expressway. Uh, the site is next to a recently constructed apartment project. Uh, it, it's, it was formerly known as Gray Star. It's now uh, called Savoy Apartments. And it's uh, also another high density project, about 520 units with about 7,500 square feet of retail. Uh, the site uh, is shown on the star 
that's the uh, surface parking lot where the building is proposed. Uh, the, the two existing office buildings would remain. And the site is very close to the Caltrain station, the Lawrence uh, station. It's about 600 feet away uh, via San Zeno Way. Next slide, please. Here's the overall site plan. So showing the office buildings to remain, there'd be some, some minor landscape improvements towards the rear. Um, and then the apartment building on the south, southern portion, um, and then buffered with the uh, a new shared use path that would be uh, going in an east-west direction and then linking up with uh, another path on the, the adjacent uh, Savoy property. Um, one of the, the incentives proposed is a new uh, large gateway sign that's in line with the, the LSAP sense of place plan, which is meant to identify the area um, that you are in the Lawrence Station area and we're close to the, the train station. And then there'll also be some, some wayfinding signage that um, direct people towards the uh, Caltrain station. Next slide. So here's an enlarged view of the apartments on the southern portion. So this uh, shows the, uh, the the existing driveway between the uh, behind the office buildings that would separate the the two uses and then the property line would would run uh, more or less down the middle. There'd be some new trash enclosure, a new trash enclosure for the offices. Uh, the existing two would be removed and then um, combined into a new one. And then there'd be a staging area for the residential uh, trash area. It'd be carted out from inside the, the parking garage. Uh, vehicle access would be from San Zeno Way or Kiefer Road. And uh, vehicles wanting to enter the residential garage would uh, access it from San Zeno. And then office users can access from the rear um, on the west side. Um, and then for cir pedestrian circulation, there'd be a walkway all around on all four sides of the building. There'd be a new uh, path that connects the office and, and residential. And then the shared use path that would be, um, you know, linking up with the adjacent property and having more of a, a shortcut or a direct access to the, the station for those, those residents. Next slide. So this shows the, the tenant parcel map. So the, the red is the existing lot line that, that cuts down the middle and it would essentially be flipped. So there's a land use, uh, a lot for each land use. And um, it's not shown here, but there's portions along the, the San Zeno front edge. It's, uh, it's I should have shaded this, but um, that's the uh, irrevoc irrevocable offer of dedication area that would be uh, meant to accommodate the, the Lawrence Expressway future grade separation. So whenever that moves forward, um, years ahead from now, um, the project's been designed to account for that uh, with the building uh, siting. Next slide. So uh, most of the tree removals, uh, most of the trees would be removed uh, in the, the parking lot to accommodate the project. Um, but overall, there's about 12 protected trees that meet our criteria, uh, 38 inches or more in circumference. And um, there would be some trees that would be preserved, notably the redwoods along the, the San Zeno Way uh, frontage. Um, and then on the site walk with our city arborist, the arborist identified another tree right by the shared use path that can be retained. Uh, so these would be uh, retained as part of the project. Next slide. And this shows the, the landscaping plan. 
Uh, there would be a total of about 90 trees planted to meet the meet and exceed the city's replacement criteria. Uh, there'd be landscaping on the, the ground floor, uh, landscaping and trees. And then there's also two large uh, fourth floor um, open spaces that would be for, for resident use that it also includes some tree planting, uh, pool deck, uh, recreational space. Um, next slide. So this is the rendering uh, from San Zeno Way looking uh, or, or from the Northeast. And this shows the um, just the overall view of the building um, from the front. It, uh, it has a more of a timeless look to it to have, a, you know, kind of uh, um, addressing the industrial design of the neighborhood. Um, lots of brick is proposed on the facade, a uh, mix of brick, stucco, cement panels, metal panels that um, help to really, uh, you know, uh, address the building and um, soften some of the rectangular nature of it. Um, the glass area is the main lobby. Um, for the, uh, uh, the leasing office, uh, some of the amenity space, and then you see the, the entry to the garage for the residents on the left side. Uh, next slide. This is the view from uh, the opposite side, this looking uh, on the southeast corner. So this shows the shared use path on the left, and the uh, the parking structure is behind, is like the first three levels on the left side. And um, it's treated with um, screening, so it's you wouldn't know, really know that there's a parking structure there with um, with brick um, brick columns and and bays to kind of be designed to look like windows, uh, screening uh, so you won't be able to see the the parked vehicles uh, within, um, landscaping and green screens also to help help soften that that view, and uh, here you also see the large uh, building stepbacks that are for the the fourth floor. Uh, courtyards. Next slide. Uh, this is a view as uh, from the office buildings. So you also see, uh, you know, the, the building has these three distinct modules that the uh, the LSAP calls for. Um, some recessed uh, portions that that help to to break up the the box of the building. Um, on the the ground floor, the, in the ground. Uh, First couple of floors, there's a different brick pattern that helped to distinguish and, and strengthen the, the base of the building. Um, also, along the, the top of the sixth floor, you have a, a wide projecting cornice, about two and a half feet that helped to, um, you know, really strengthen the, the upper portion of the building um, that would be, you know, mainly visible from the ground level and then help to make the upper um, seventh and eighth floor recede more from view. Next slide. And this is the West rendering. This is uh, at the rear and this is uh, what faces the Savoy apartments. In the middle is where the uh, the garage entry would, would be. Um, also want to note that the building is proposed at 92 feet tall and that's within the 100 foot height allowance within, the, within this area of the LSAP. Next slide. And here's the the south rendering, uh, more of an overall view of the shared use path, uh, and then the the building stepbacks, the amenity spaces. Uh, there's also uh, top floor amenity space, uh, clubhouses. Uh, the windows are are well arranged and and inset, so about three inches inset from the wall, so that'll help to provide 
uh, more articulation and, and shadow effect uh, to help, help soften the appearance of the building. Next slide, please. Uh, so with the uh, proposed state density bonus, the applicant is requesting uh, waivers. And uh, uh, per the state density bonus law, there are unlimited waivers based on what is proposed. And um, there are a few couple of development standards about the lot width uh, for the new, the new lot. It's about 12 feet short of what's needed. And there is a, a standard about a 10 foot uh, building set back to the shared use path. It's proposed uh, a little more than six feet. And then there are, are nine particular objective design guidelines that are not met uh, to the letter of the guidelines, but uh, staff believes that the intent is, is largely met. Um, and we feel that the, the building is well-designed and meets the overall intent of the, uh, the collective LSAP guidelines. Next slide, please. So staff finds that the project is consistent with uh, both EIRs that were done for the, the LSAP when it was originally adopted in 2016, and then when it was updated in 2021 to add more, more housing potential. Uh, there was a CEQA checklist that confirmed that there are no new environmental impacts. Uh, the project is consistent with the overall goals and objectives of the general plan and LSAP. This is a high density project that's right by the Caltrain station. Uh, this was the original vision to have um, more residents nearby to help utilize the station and really help to activate the, the neighborhood and increase demand for services like retail. Uh, the project is well designed, uh, will not impair any adjacent uh, properties. Um, it'll help to enhance connectivity in the area. And the, the site is suitable for subdivision uh, consistent with uh, the city standards. Uh, next slide. Uh, so the alternative to consider tonight would be to uh, approve the, the project and CEQA determination per the recommended COAs. And um, we did have a late addition to uh, the staff report. It, it is a memo that outlines some um, verbiage changes to, to several of the COAs. Uh, this is something that we had uh, discussed with the applicant after the staff report was produced, and uh, we are um, recommending that those changes be included in the motion. Um, and then uh, if the Planning Commission has any other modifications, that would be alternative two. Alternative three would, would be to not make the findings and then direct staff where, where changes to be made. Um, we, we also did get a letter today from um, a labor union just uh, outlining some concerns about the, the, the staff finding about the CEQA determination um, based on air quality, indoor air quality uh, with um, formaldehyde exposure from building materials. Um, so we uh, just wanted to include that as well. Uh, but overall, we, we do find that uh, the project is consistent with the LSAP EIRs and we recommend alternative one. Uh, thank you. Thank you, uh, Commissioner. Uh, and I'll go to Commissioner questions. Uh, Commissioner Howe. Yeah, I am a little tardy on this, but I had a brief conversation with a uh, representative of the applicant on the telephone this past week. Thank you. And I'll just disclose that I had a couple of email exchanges with the applicant. I There was an offer of a telephone exchange, I it, but I was very busy and did not have time. Uh, Commissioner Howard. 
Thank you, Chair. Uh, I'll note that I received an email from the applicant. Uh, I didn't have time to respond before the meeting, but it sounds like Mr. Schroeder took care of uh, their concerns. Uh, uh, actually, the Commissioner Howard, before you proceed, did anybody else have something to, to disclose? Because I saw a couple of hands pop up. Uh, Commissioner uh, Davis. Uh, likewise, um, I had a Zoom meeting with the applicant and have had a couple of email exchanges. Thank you. Yeah, Commissioner and I Cerny. Met with the applicant and get some email exchange. Thank you. Commissioner Shukla. Yes, it looks like applicant was very <laughs> called everyone. So I spoke with him uh, and actually I understood the projects more. That's it. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you. Okay. Commissioner Howard. Uh, thank you. This is less to do with the project itself, but the shared use path, which the applicant is proposing to do, uh, the, 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 the property next door, the Savoy, the shared use path that seems to exist right now is seems kind of like an underwhelming two foot wide. It wouldn't be really appropriate for, say, a bicycle passing a pedestrian. How what's the how does the city coordinate different property owners coordinating on a, a high quality shared use path? Yeah, so when that project went through, that was before the the LSAP sense of place plan was adopted, before we have the current standard that um, the proposed project has designed. So it, it's, it's essentially like an EVA path, but it also has a public access easement and a small walkway. So we'll we'll make best efforts with the adjoining owner to try to to connect that, and then uh, but it we we can't require that owner to to build a wider. Um, shared use path because that's already been approved. Cool. Um, but on the uh, um, when that project was approved and on that uh, parcel map, there was a requirement for that owner to allow access when um, you know future uh, property owners connect to their property. So they they would have to allow the access, um, but on their side they'll probably still have the existing path unless they're um, voluntarily willing to. To upgrade it. And this is maybe just getting into the weeds. If there, if somebody was injured on that path, would that be on them, the, the, the liability? Uh, yes, because it's it's privately owned. So it, that might be one of their considerations in whether they want to upgrade that path is whether they find it suitably safe, yada, yada, yada. I appreciate right. the historical perspective. Thank you for answering the question. Oh, thank you. Right, thank you. Next up is Commissioner Strani. Uh, thank you, Chair. Thanks for the presentation. Um, so the um, this uh, I should say I'm I'm pretty familiar with this uh, with this area. I worked in the 1170 building for uh, two or three years, and uh, and at that time, <coughs> both uh, both buildings there were fully occupied, and that parking lot was never even half full. Uh, we played basketball back there, so this is a you know a good place to uh, do a development like this. Uh, so the uh, parking lot is using its shared parking, which is great, and uh, um, you know it's, it supports the office and the uh, housing units. Uh, and with the new line, you know the lots are split. What happens if the, the lots say the the other two buildings are sold to somebody else. No, they have different owners. Is the park sharing of the parking somehow grandfathered in in some way? Or yes, because there will be access easements that will require to be recorded uh, before you know the, the the project is completed. That um, 
ensures that there is the uh, uh, sharing of parking in, in perpetuity while that that land use is still there. So in the event that the office parcel gets sold off, there's still be there's going to be that arrangement um, that's uh, on that runs with the land. But what if the uh, <clears throat> offices are you know sold somebody else torn down and and whatever a eight foot eight story residential building put there yeah i mean then it could be revisited uh the the easements at that time because like if it's if it's um if parking is self-contained on the um the new project then there wouldn't be a need for it so that could be removed so there's probably gonna be some language in the easement that that addresses that topic um just so it, it could be removed in the future, but they'll have to go through the city for review. Any kind of modification or, or removal, um, we'll need to look at that at that time. Okay. Uh, is the parking for the residential, is the parking uh, bundled, unbundled? Um, that would be addressed in the, the parking management plan. Um, there is some language in the LSAP about encouraging unbundling, right. but it's... Um, it's not really done throughout the city. So it's, it's kind of a, it'd be kind of a new approach. Um, so there is a potential for that to be considered. Okay. Um, let's see, you know, there's grade separation. I think we talked about it two weeks ago and I, and I'm thinking about it. What, what are we separating the, there's already grade separation for the train. They're going to, they're going to put, uh, uh, Lawrence under Kiefer or something like that. Yeah, so it would basically be be you know depressed um, underneath grade. So and then you'll have um, better east to west access over um, over there, and and it wouldn't um, be basically un, under the the tracks. So it's it's a very big project that the counter the county is um, um, moving forward with. Although it is probably going to be maybe up to ten years before that ever happens. But um, yeah, it's so we're we're anticipating that for for projects along the uh, the expressway. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, thank you. That's all I have for now. I have a couple questions for the applicant. Thank you. Uh, next up is Commissioner Davis. I just felt a hand on Okay. Uh, next up is Commissioner Shukla. Yeah. Hi. Thanks for the presentation. I have one question. Um, when um, the Lawrence Expressway will be widened and then the land will like will the if the owner applicant will be compensated if they their property is um, taken by the road is that what it is the last thing yes I mean that's that's something that we would look at at that time um, that now is one of the the text updates that we had added that um, you know, whatever is required by by law, we would have to um, adhere to that. And then the city and the, the property owner would, would negotiate the terms of, of that sale um, at that time. And that'll be done like right now it's new, or like it will be negotiated? It, um, no, it would be whenever the county is is moving forward with that project, like they're actually ready to, um, you know, reserve the land. Um, so it, it wouldn't be anytime, anytime soon. It would just and be it, later down the road. And it's possible that it may not affect the property at all. It's possible. Um, well, there are a few areas along the, the San Zeno frontage that would be part of that. 
Um, but the project has been designed to be set back away from uh, the areas that are anticipated for um, uh, to be in, in the footprint of that of that grade separation. Okay, thank you. Thank you. And I had a couple questions. Uh, uh, these are actually related to the letter we got. Uh, there were concerns that a couple of LSET mitigation matter measures were not follow were not incorporated as part of that. Uh, so am I correct in understanding that LSAT mitigation measure 3.5.3 Bravo uh, only applies if construction projects are are projected to exceed the barrier quality management district air pollutant significant thresholds and as described on page 50 of attachment 5 this pro for this project uh, the particulate matter is not expected to exceed those thresholds. Uh, yes, that, that's what the, the CEQA checklist found, is that it, it was underneath the, the thresholds. Okay. Uh, and the other one that got called out in the letter was 3.2-1. And am I correct in understanding that that measure is only applicable to actually the intuitive surgical project that was also part of the 2021 LSAP EIR and therefore has no relevance whatsoever to this project? Correct, because with the LSAP update, we had also combined uh, a boundary expansion for the intuitive surgical parcels and then a project level review for theirs. So, uh, yes, the, that was included as well. Thank you. I just, I, I, I was pretty sure I was right, but I wanted to get confirmation on that. Uh, I had no further questions. Uh, Commissioner Howe? Just checking. Uh, Okay, I, there's no other questions from the dais at this time, so we'll go to the, so I will go ahead and open the public hearing. Uh, we have one applicant on this item. You will have 10 minutes at the beginning of the public hearing to address the planning commission, and then you will have five minutes at the end of the public hearing, which you can use to finish up for any question and or and respond to any concerns you hear later in the public hearing. Is there an applicant presentation? Yes. And uh, George and, and Commission, is it okay to share a screen now? Yep. Great. Thank you. Hold on one second. You able to see that? Yes, please proceed. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you, George, and good evening, Chair Pine and Planning Commissioners. I'm Jonathan Stone with Prometheus Real Estate Group. It's good to be with you all tonight. Joined tonight by Don Peterson with Prometheus, as well as several members of the project team. We very much appreciate the opportunity to discuss the project proposal located at 1150 Kiefer Road. Uh, we last met at the study session in January of this year. Since our last meeting, we've met with and received support from Livable Sunnyvale. A copy of that letter of support is in your project files. Since the study session, we've been finalizing items with staff which include offsite improvements, line of sight studies, photometric adjustments, <clears throat> and trash collection location. So with that context, we wanted to provide a bit of an overview of the project today, uh, following up briefly on what George has mentioned already. Regarding the items, just a brief overview. Uh, we'll reintroduce Prometheus and the project team to let you know who's presenting here this evening. 
discuss briefly the project goals, uh, design, discuss the design and architecture um, of the site plan and the building, um, talk about the pedestrian bike path that's been mentioned already, as well as the redwood trees. So as a brief reintroduction to the project team, as mentioned, Don and I are with Prometheus Real Estate Group. Prometheus is a long-term owner and operator. Having built its first project in Sunnyvale back in 1968, the Shadowbrook Apartments off Bernardo Ave. Jones Architects out of Portland is one of the two architecture firms working to design the project. BDE Architecture out of San Francisco is the other. We work with both firms on numerous projects and they bring a high level of design and technical expertise to all the projects that they work on. ACLA is the landscape architect and BKF is the civil engineer, a firm that has done a significant amount of work throughout the city of Sunnyvale over the past numerous decades. Several of their members of all of those team members are here tonight. Uh, and last but not least, uh, the city of Sunnyvale and George. George has been a great partner uh, and guide along the way. So we're very thankful for uh, his efforts and the, the broader Sunnyvale team. Just to follow up on Prometheus and our work in Sunnyvale on the screen, you see before you are various properties we own and manage throughout Sunnyvale. As mentioned, Prometheus is a long-term owner and operator, and the first project we built back in uh, 1968 is uh, Shadowbrook on Bernardo. Prometheus's most recent project in Sunnyvale is the Ironworks North and South Apartments located on the north side of downtown. And Prometheus is a local firm uh, with our headquarters in San Mateo. When thinking about this project and the importance it has for the Lawrence Station area and the city, we believe it's important to convey and communicate the goals for the project. Number one is providing housing. This project includes 225 units made up of studios, one, two, and three bedroom units. Included are 44 affordable units, as George mentioned, for much needed workforce housing. This is in line with the requirements of the city's inclusionary ordinance and the state density bonus law. This high quality housing, both affordable and market rate units is in high demand and we look forward to delivering these units and this housing as expeditiously as possible. Number two is implementing the guidelines of the LSAP, promoting a diversity of land uses and densities which support transit usage, implementing a comprehensive TDM program which includes bicycle facilities, communication strategies and shared parking and inclusion of green technologies such as EV chargers. Number three is to establish distinguished architecture. Architectural design in the neighborhood, we'll expand upon that in a moment, and supporting pedestrian and bicycle connectivity in the area. And finally, retaining the mature existing redwood trees that are a significant part of this neighborhood. George provided a great overview of the LSAP and the project site. Quickly, we'll show it here again. As mentioned, the site plan for 1150 Kiefer is to redevelop the rear parking lot of the site, which you see here on the screen. Let's toggle once more. This is the overall site plan for the project, showing the existing office buildings and at the south of the page, the proposed building. Zooming in further, this is an enlarged site plan. Again, here's the ground floor of the garage, showing the garage as well as units wrapped around the north portion and amenity and lobby space on the eastern portion. 
It'll also show the garage entries from the left and right sides. As George mentioned, office users will enter from the left and use the ground floor. Residential users will enter from the right and go to the upper floors and there's shared parking between. Moving up the building, the fourth floor will have two large south-facing courtyards where many of the building's amenities will be located. Moving further up the building, as this slide toggles here, uh, the eighth floor will have an amenity lounge in the southeast corner, as well as a few other seating options on the north side. I'm now going to hand the presentation presentation over briefly to Alan Jones, the head of Jones Architects, uh, to walk us through the building and describe the architecture in greater detail. Thanks, Jonathan. I'm Alan Jones with Jones Architecture. Um, I'm going to do a recap of the design and architecture for the project. Um, the building from an architecture standpoint is unchanged um, since the study session. We received positive feedback from you at study session. So this is largely a recap and a summary of the design. Um, what's on the screen right now is the initial submittal. Um, this project is a great example of kind of working closely with staff. Um, some of the comments that we received at this time was George asked us to look at the material palette to warm the palette up. Um, to look at strengthening the cornice line and to provide additional detailing around the base of the building. Um, this is the current design of the building. You'll notice the strength and cornice line at the fifth and sixth stories that wrap around the building. Um, we've added um, wood colored panels that, that give the palette warmth. And I'll show the additional detailing at the base as I move through this. Um, as George mentioned, the north elevation is broken down into three distinct modules, which are separated by um, sections that step back and provide reveals or break in the facade. Um, the palette consists of um, two colors of masonry. There's a dark charcoal colored masonry, which has lighter color penthouse panels on top of it. And then that is then inverted on the right with um, a lighter color brick with charcoal colored panels on top. And then the center sections that step back are a metal panel on the upper levels and masonry on the ground level. Um, you'll also notice that there is a strong base metal in top to the building. And then the warm panels you can see at the balconies that provide interest as you kind of move around the building. Um, here's the rendering of the lobby. Um, so the, the lobby has lots of operable panels, um, kind of a canopy that wraps around. Um, Jonathan will talk about the preservation of the redwood trees, but um, we've preserved the trees and then there's rich landscaping that's kind of woven through the trees that the lobby and the amenity spaces open up to. Um, this is the southeast corner of the building um, adjacent to the, the Lawrence um, Expressway. Um, you can see that, as George mentioned, the garage entries here, the lobby. Um, again, the facade is broken down into um, lots of distinct modules. You can see the amenity spaces up at the eighth story and on the third and fourth stories that wrap around to the side. And then the building opening up to the shared use path where the garage is concealed behind the, the, the brick cladding and the screens. Um, the south elevation, um, which again is broken up into three distinct modules separated by the courtyards. The courtyards have lush landscaping on them that then fold down. Um, and, um, and conceal the, the garage behind the first three stories. There's rich landscaping that kind of runs along the shared use paths. 
And again, the base metal top articulation of the, of the materials. And then a, a vignette view along the shared use path where the garage is tucked behind um, the richly detailed brick cladding uh, metal screens that allow the landscaping to climb up on um, the landscape border along the shared path. And then the variety of activity of the amenity spaces that you can see up on the third and fourth stories. Um, the west elevation, which is another example of the way we worked with staff, um, there was initially a concern about the um, amount of modulation. We provided additional relief, um, pulled the building back in the center to break it down. Um, I think this was successfully um, received at study session. And then lastly, an up-close vignette of the character of the, of the ground, first ground story units where the units open up to stoops. There's rich um, brick detailing and texture around the ground story. The windows are set deep into the openings, and you can see the alternating materials that separate the, the modules. With that, I'll hand it back to Jonathan to talk about the pedestrian path. Thank you, Alan. Appreciate it. And mentioning again the ped path, pedestrian and bike path here, images that you've seen already, but just zooming in a little bit more and a cross section that we have from the plan set as well that we wanted to bring forward uh, along the southern edge of the project. Again, it will connect from San Zeno on the east to the neighboring property on the west. Um, to follow up on some of George's comments, we, we are in communication uh, with the ownership over there, the Clarion team. Um, and then obviously this connectivity makes it much easier for pedestrian bike uh, travel uh, to be more efficient, safe to the Caltrain station. Another view from it here, you've seen this one before, but it, it helps contextualize it as well. You also see some of the redwood trees here. And speaking of the redwood trees, uh, retaining them is also one of the guidelines of the Lawrence Station Area Plan. Um, we've worked very hard uh, with the city staff uh, designing and locating the, the building in a way to uh, retain and protect those trees. And as mentioned, there's also a future realignment and undergrounding of Lawrence Expressway contemplated by the county. This realignment, if and when it does occur, will adjust Lawrence and San Zeno inbound. And the proposed design, again, incorporates that and minimizes the impacts to the trees along the frontage. Mr. Stone, apologies for the interruption, but Chair, the applicant's time has expired. Thank you. Thank you. With that, we uh, look forward to any questions or comments you might have. Appreciate it. Uh, and we we'll have a question from Commissioner Cerrone. Uh, thank you, Chair. Um, so uh, can you address uh, how you're mitigating noise from the train for the applicant? Sure. From, from Caltrain and, and uh, yeah. any noises are well, noise mitigation. Um, is uh, through a series of construction techniques, wall thinning, the selection of windows. We uh, hire uh, acoustical engineers to help design uh, the structure. Um, we have a number of buildings that are in and around uh, Caltrain corridors and um, other transportation corridors. Um, so the engineers that we select um, have a, a long history uh, of this design and we follow their standards and they uh, are rather successful in terms of uh, the lease up and retention of uh, the folks that uh, lease at our buildings. And uh, it's probably a minor detail, but uh, 
Uh, the elevators three and four, it looks like elevator three stops at level three. Is that true or is that just a quirk of the uh, drawing? Uh, we have some of the elevators and of course there will be further um, refinement to exactly where they go, but there are some elevators um, and I'm forgetting the exact number of it right now in the frame and Alan, if you have this offhand, that are for um, garage specific transference that will help um, isolate the users specifically of those office users and the flex use or the shared use um, that will allow those folks to go directly out to the office use, if that's answering your question. All right. Yep. Uh, thank you. That's all I have. Sure. Thank you. Next up is Commissioner Shukla. Oh, sorry. Thank you. <laughs> sorry, I forgot to press the button. Yeah, I, I was studying the plan and I, I realized that your house is on the ground floor. Are they double story? Like there are uh, the all the um, the houses which faces on the office side. Uh, they It looks like on the second floor, they don't have access. So they are like height is higher. Uh, those are townhome units, correct. That's a another one of the varying product type or unit types that we're incorporating into this building in order to address a number of different uh, user types out there. So there's studios all the way up to three bedrooms. Oh, okay. Because I thought like what happened to that? There are no access on the second, but it's a good because so you on the third floor, again, that height is reduced like normal floor height and, and on every floor except the ground floor. So I think it's a great uh, that you have different varieties of um, uh, space because varying the height of the same units. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. And I don't see any other commissioner hands. So uh, I will go to members of the public. Uh, if you are wishing to address the planning commission on this item, please submit a speaker card to the recording officer. Use the raise hand feature now or dial star nine on telephone to indicate sorry, that you wish to speak. I will call members of the public participating in person first, and then the recording officer will ask remote participants to unmute while it is their turn to address the planning commission. Speakers will have three minutes to speak and the timer will be displayed on the screen. I have two speaker cards on this item. Uh, first up is uh, Renee Baez, followed by Beatrice uh, Miralez. Uh, yeah, good evening, Chair Pine, staff, and uh, members of the Planning Commission. I want to first thank you for giving me the opportunity to speak tonight. My name is Renee Baez, and I'm a field representative for the NorCal Carpenters Union. And today I want to talk about three things that will benefit the city of Sunnyvale. And I believe these three things should also be basic labor standards. One, that's the use of apprenticeships. Two is health care for workers and their families. And three is local hire. Uh, you see projects that invest in apprenticeships, local hire, and health care is the right choice for construction workers and their families. This allows their uh, workers and their families to live in the communities that they work in. This also means those wages that are earned will be reinvested back into the local community as they spend their earnings. Um, I understand that California needs housing. California needs affordable housing, but what the construction men and women need is a livable wage and they need health care. We see a beautiful design, and but what I see as a construction worker is the bones, is the the workers that are coming in from out of town who are working on these projects 
who are receiving just above uh, what a fast food worker will be getting and have no hopes of actually living in these uh, buildings that they build because they're they're paying. And so projects like this have the ability to uh, provide an opportunities for those who live right here in this community. And so I raised the question to the staff and uh, Mr. Stone, will this project utilize apprenticeships? Will the workers have access to healthcare and will there be local hire? I've attempted to reach out to the Prometheus group and I would love to see them do right by the community and the city of Sunnyvale by hiring a responsible general contractor who will build this project. I think it's a great opportunity for the community. I think it's a great opportunity for the city of Sunnyvale. It's a beautiful project, but I would love to see uh, representative workers live, I mean, build this project, but also have an opportunity to live in this project. I think it will be a, uh, it'll benefit the community and the workforce, the local workforce. And so I raised that question, will this project uh, utilize apprenticeships in healthcare? And uh, the last thing we need is for another project in the area or even the Sunnyvale to just taint the beautiful city of Sunnyvale with wage theft and tax fraud. There's, there's many projects in the area that were, you know, experiencing this, this situation. And uh, I think I have faith in the in the city of Sunnyvale and the staff that we can raise those questions and and uh, hold these uh, developers and contractors accountable. But thank you for your time. Thank you. Uh, next up is Beatrice Miralez, and that's my last speaker card. So if you are in person and you wish to address this, uh, submit a submit a speaker card now. Uh, good evening, members of the Planning Commission. My name is Beatrice Morales, and um, I'm a 16 year carpenter working. For local 405 and a resident here in Sunnyvale. Um, I stand before you today to discuss an imperative aspect of our community's growth. And as we, as we strive to address the pressing issue of housing, it's paramount that we also champion the rights and standards of our labor, labor force. It's the backbone of our city's prosperity. This includes ensuring a livable wage, providing essential health care benefits, fostering apprenticeship programs, and prioritizing local hires. These measures not only fortify the well-being of our workers, but also create a stronger, more vibrant community. Uh, so let me tell you what living, having a livable wage and apprenticeship means to me personally. So <clears throat> as a lot of people, I came from a working for lower wages in life. My opportunity to join the Carpenter's Apprenticeship not only changed my life, and it gave me a chance to have a family and properly provide for my family. To speak about the change in quality of life for people that work at a lower wage and then to have the opportunity I was given, I believe is the heart of our working community. And at the very least, we need to bring it to this table. I truly believe that setting a standard for our community whose working hands help bring our city up each day deserves that to say the least. Together, let's build not only homes, but also a city that thrives on principles of equality, opportunity, and opportunities for all. So thank you. Thank you. And that was my last speaker card. Uh, is anybody else interested in speaking on this item before we hear from remote speakers? Seeing none. Uh, recording officer, do we have any remote participants wishing to speak on, on this item? Yes, Chair. We have one hand raised from Victoria Yoon. I'll go ahead and allow Victoria the floor to speak. Thank you. 
Good evening. My name is Victoria Young from the law firm Lazodre. I'm here here this evening on behalf of appellant. I mean, on behalf of Laborers International Union of North America, Local Union 270, or LIUNA, and its members living and working in Sunnyvale. LIUNA respectfully requests that the Planning Commission continue the public hearing on the project to a later date to give the public more time to review the 600-page CEQA checklist that the city prepared for the project since it was only made available to the public for the first time last Thursday, October 5th. Alternatively, LIUNA requests that the commission refrain from approving the special development permit and tentative track map for the project until a mitigated negative declaration or EIR is prepared for the project. LIUNA is not opposed to the project, but believes that full CEQA review is required to analyze and mitigate its impacts. The city proposes to approve the project based on the 2016 EIR and 2021 supplemental EIR that were prepared for the um, LSAP update. The project, however, has project-specific impacts that should be analyzed and mitigated in a new CEQA document, including air quality and health risk impacts. Additionally, the 2016 and 2021 EIRs emitted significant unavoidable impacts to air quality and significant unavoidable cumulative impacts on air quality and wastewater services. A subsequent or supplemental EIR or MND is required to analyze these impacts and impose feasible mitigation measures. Lastly, the project will have new significant indoor air quality impacts not analyzed in the prior EIRs. LIUNA's indoor air quality expert, industrial hygienist Francis Overman, concluded that future residents will be exposed to formaldehyde from composite wood products far above CEQA significant thresholds. Specifically, residents will be exposed to a cancer risk from from formaldehyde of 120 per million. This was not analyzed in the 2016 or 2021 EIRs. Feasible mitigation measures should be imposed for the project, such as requiring no added formaldehyde wood products. Given the substantial evidence that the project will result in significant environmental impacts not fully analyzed or mitigated in the prior EIRs, Lyona respectfully requests that the commission require a subsequent or supplemental MND or EIR be prepared for the project. That concludes my comments. Thank you so much for your time and consideration this evening. Thank you. Uh, Commissioner Shukla, uh, did you have a question for one of the yes, members of the public? thank you, Chair. I have a question for staff. Uh, 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 sorry, uh, yeah. uh, does it does it need Is to it, be now or should, can it be after the public hearing? Um, maybe if anybody wants to talk, then yeah, maybe. Uh, I'll wait for them. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll take, well, that was my, uh, I believe that was my last. That's what you said. Yeah. Recording officer. I see no further hands raised. Chair. Okay. Uh, before we go back, we'll take the question now and then we'll go back to the applicant. Oh, okay. Yes. Commissioner Shirkwell. I have a, I mean, I have a question to, for the staff, for them. Do we have any, any, um, uh, like any, what is it called? Like incentive for developers, like if they hire local people or any kind of things exist or we don't have? Um, well, we don't for, for in the LSAP incentive program for, for obtaining higher density. Uh, we don't thus far. Uh, no, we don't really have anything. I mean, it's not really a planning issue per se. Yeah, I know it's, it's not. It's a negotiation between the developer and, and the local unions. Yeah, I just want to bring it out because I thought that city council may want to bring that out. And I just want to raise that uh, question because I hear this all the time in every meeting. So I, I don't know. We are doing so many uh, work. So I thought I'll just say it in public meeting that if the council looks into this aspect of uh, 
providing some incentive but for the developers it can help um, our local community so but that's uh, that's it thank you thank you thank you uh so i'm going to bring it back to the applicant uh you have five minutes uh at the end of the public hearing which you can use for whatever you want it's traditionally for concluding remarks for to and or to address anything you've heard from members of the public well, uh, thank you all again for your time tonight to express what we think are the goals and benefits of this project. Um, it has uh, been a pleasure working with staff um, to bring this project uh, in front of you tonight in the form that you see it tonight. We look forward to moving it into its next stages. Um, all of the work just very recently uh, with staff on refining a number of the conditions of approval language-wise, which will facilitate those next steps uh, of the the work ahead um, will help to even more efficiently uh, bring this project for, to fruition and uh, bring this much needed housing uh, to the city of Sunnyvale. So again, uh, thank you to all of you this evening and, uh, and George as well. And um, Commissioner Cerrone, on your unbundled parking question, um, we most likely will do that. That is something we do with great frequency, but um, we'll determine that as we get a little bit closer to project delivery here, but it's certainly something we do. So thank you. Much appreciate all of your time. Thank you. Uh, Commissioner Shukla, did you? Okay. Uh, I don't see any commissioner hands, uh, so I will close the public hearing. Uh, and I'll now ask for a discussion or a motion from my colleagues. And I'd like to start with questions if if anybody has them, because uh, I have a couple. Uh, Commissioner Howe. I'd be happy to yield to the questions. Okay, Commissioner Howard. Uh, thank you. Um, piggybacking on the comments about the 600-page EIR or mitigation dropping at the last minute and whether there's enough time for public review, uh, I was wondering if staff or anybody else had uh, had a rebuttal to that. And the question is, are, are we the final stop or this gets called up before the city council or they have the option to call it up before the city council if we uh, agree to the, if we approve this tonight? Yes, it, well, it is a secret checklist, and there's there's no public noticing uh, mandate for that because it is consistent with the impacts of the the previous EIRs. And this project is approvable at the planning commission level, so this would be the final stop unless appealed uh, within 15 days to the council. Thank you. Thank you. And I just wanted to check if staff had any comment on the request for a supplemental EIR, just the formaldehyde. I didn't notice anything about about intern about specific addressing the formaldehyde concerns. I just want to I just wanted to get a comment on it before I make a decision on whether I can make the sequel findings. Um, yes, just uh, just to briefly comment that this isn't the first time we've gotten this specific issue raised by Leuna, um, and we have looked at it before, and we don't believe that what they um, our claiming has any merit um, sequel wise. So uh, unfortunately, since they gave us this letter at three o'clock this afternoon, we didn't have time to prepare a response. If if it is appealed, we would provide an additional response to the city council, but we're comfortable that the CEQA um, com 
the CEQA issues they raise are, are not meritorious. Thank you. Thank you. And I have some additional comments I'll be making when we get to a motion. But uh, Commissioner Davis, do you have a question? Yes, thank you, Chair. Um, so this this would to appeal this would be a normal appeal that costs I think three hundred dollars. Is that correct? That's correct. Yes. Thank you. That's my question. Thank you, uh, Commissioner Howe. Thank you, George. You said earlier that you had some changes that you um, uh, had with the applicant. So I'm going to make a motion of alternative one with George's additions because it's coming to you. So you you think it through and how you want to word it. So I move alternative number one with this change of George's, make the required findings to approve the CEQA determination that the project is consist consistent with the 2016 Lawrence Station Area Plan. Chair, do you want me to read it all? I don't think you have to. Thank you. George? <laughs> Yes, yeah, so, well, I think this was shown as attached added attachment nine. It was a memo dated today that um, just summarizes the proposed changes to the um, the conditions. But we can we can adjust the wording in the. You said it was a attachment number nine. Yes, it's a. That's the motion. Attachment Thanks. number nine. That's good. Yes. Thank you, Commissioner Davis. Second. Thank you, Commissioner. How do your motion? Yeah, thanks. This has been something that the Planning Commission and the city staff and council have worked on for an awful long time, changing the zoning there, putting in um, the zoning to increase the number of housing units in that area, amongst other things, improving it, using that Caltrain station, and it has a great diversity, in my opinion, of different units, studios through three bedrooms. Um, a fair number of um, low-income and very low-income houses or uh, units in there. I think the um, plan that the city has followed for a period of time, this meets it in every way. Thank you. Uh, Commissioner Davis, to your second. Uh, yes, I largely agree with uh, Commissioner Howe. Uh, it's really fulfilling to see the Lawrence Station specific plan um, coming into reality, right? Uh, I, I think the applicant has done a great job of working with staff, uh, finding a design that works really well with the lot itself um, and manages to meet our very modern requirements, but giving it a classic feel. Um, it may be worth a study issue to see um, the things that they had to request variances on, if maybe we should take those away from our objective design standards. Uh, but I think it's a, it's a very attractive building uh, with great amenities, 20% uh, inclusive, uh, it's close to transit. Uh, this, is, this is what we want. So I wholeheartedly um, support the motion. Um, I do hope that the developers uh, will hire locally as much as, as feasible. Uh, but, but that's really beyond scope of the Planning Commission. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Uh, next up is Commissioner Howard. 
Thank you, Chair. Thank you, staff. Thank you, the applicant. Uh, and thank you uh, also to the members of the public from the unions who came to represent their uh, perspective. I, I really appreciate when people stand up and, and articulate. I know it can be a little intimidating coming before a public body, and I would encourage you to, uh, you did great tonight, please keep it up and please always be articulating, not just for the union, but for the community. Anything that needs to come up, just speak up, it's, it's worthwhile. Uh, to that end, I appreciate it, Commissioner. Um, the project's great. Uh, and I, I haven't rented in quite some time, but when I did, I had a positive experience with Prometheus and I have uh, a great confidence that they'll build a great project and they'll run a great project and they'll provide housing opportunities, mostly on the luxury end, but they're they're doing a good job for the city. I appreciated Commissioner Shrickla's concerns, uh, piggybacking on what was articulated uh, from the union. And uh, as a side issue, if we if we wanted to pursue a study issue about um, you know development incentives for meeting labor standards of local higher living wage and apprenticeships, I don't know if that would necessarily be a planning commission or a, like a human commission development or whatever. But if if there was a study issue proposed, I would I would be happy to um, second on that to move something like that forward. I have no idea if that's something the city could really pull off or, or not, but it's it would totally be worth looking into. With that, I am happy to support this project. Thank you. Thank you. Next up is Commissioner Sorning. Uh, thank you, Chair. Um, I just, uh, I agree with the, really everything that's been said. Uh, this uh, looks like a great project. It's right at transit, so that's great. That's right where we need it. it it is realizing the uh, uh, most of the uh, uh, Lawrence uh, Station Area Plan. Uh, the um, uh, I mean, if if there was anything missing, this is uh, you know originally the area was kind of advertised as mixed use, but it's pretty clear we're not going to see any. Uh, retail in this area of course you could argue costco is enough retail for everybody but uh uh still uh not that i would advocate in any way i don't think retail on this particular site would make sense anyway um uh, uh always glad to hear from the uh, unions and support what they're saying uh even though it's outside our purview uh i do believe sunnyvale has a wage theft ordinance addressing wage theft and construction. Uh, so at least uh, we have uh, done that in this city. And as far as the waivers are concerned, not that we can really influence that, but I uh, have no problem with uh, the waivers requested. So uh, I'm happy to uh, support this motion. Thank you. Next up is Commissioner Shukla. Thank you, Chair. I pressed the button. <laughs> Um, so I, I'm not going to repeat all my fellow uh, commissioners said. Um, I think it's great we have um, local like developer who understands Sunnyvale and building um, this large number of units. So I'm going to just say variety, variety of units, variety of sizes, variety of materials, variety of architectural elements, and um, uh, the drawing, and I, I know this is not, but I really like the drawing, the the communication, uh, communicative style of the drawings. It's a complex project, but it was easy to understand. So thank you, and I will support the project. Thank you. 
Thank you. And uh, I'll be supporting the motion. Uh, I most almost people have took what I have already said. Frankly, uh, Mr. Schroeder's submission at the end of his staff report took a lot of what I was going to say. Uh, but uh, I'll just add, add a few points. First of all, first of all, echo what my commissioners said about the importance of labor. I'm I'm very glad you came to tonight's meeting. I would encourage the developer to take heed of what was said. I don't think that's a I don't think that's a reason I can vote under state law to either can to either approve or reject the project, but I do think it was very important that it was said. Uh I think uh I'd like to commend the applicant's response on parking unbundling. It was stated previously that the that that's kind of a new approach, and that's good. We should be welcoming the future. This is Sunnyvale. We should be we should be at the forefront of progress. Uh, I'm really really excited to see a lot of the LSEP things, a lot of the LSEP update come together. Uh, we we talked about the, the mixed use path recently, and it's. I know I had some questions about what it's going to look like when it's just kind of an incomplete jumble. And it's just great to see parts of it just filling out and being less of an incomplete jumble, being a path that can actually start taking you places. Uh, as noted, this is a high density project near Caltrain. It's It does have, a, it has eight very low income units. It has 225 units in total. Uh, it preserves the local redwood trees, which is great. Like I'm fine with like, I can support the waivers being made. I would, I probably wouldn't be able to deny it, but I would be very, very sad if we were getting waivers that involved cutting down the redwood trees. So I'm glad we're not seeing any of that. It's a shame that we couldn't keep the Shem, the Shemal ash trees that were mentioned, but you know, I get it. I'm not going to argue for keeping sick trees around. Uh, regarding the CEQA findings, I can make the CEQA findings. I can make all the other findings. Uh, I am confident in staff's analysis of the CEQA situation. And I will just add add that when I get a letter and there are parts of it that I can evaluate, that I can evaluate for myself fairly clearly that clearly have no bearing on the situation, it, it, it dents the credibility of the entire document. So when I have, and plus I trust staff's legal analysis. So with those two factors, I can very, I can confidently make the sequel the sequel findings required to approve this project with that uh recording officer could we please have a roll call vote on this motion commissioner howe yes chair pine yes commissioner cerrone yes commissioner shukla yes vice chair iglesias yes commissioner howard yes commissioner davis yes the motion passes with seven yeses thank you planning officer what is the fate of this project the project is approved, sorry, <laughs> unless it's appealed to the city council within 15 days. Thank you and congratulations. Thank you. Okay. Uh, our next item is uh, item number four, 23-0561 under consideration of potential study issues. Uh, the study issue, uh, and I, was actually going to say it's almost a shame that uh, this the labor discussion happened literally the meeting after the time the deadline to submit new study commission study issues so 
that's just kind of an unfortunate timing. But uh, item four, uh, uh, 23-0561, uh, study issue CDD 24-02, explore the creation of a dark sky ordinance for all private property. Is there a staff report? Uh, just a quick verbal one for you. Um, this is a study issue that was brought forward back in April. Uh, the Planning Commission voted to keep it on our list of study issues to look at. Um, the reason why you're seeing it again tonight is that it just been put in the uh, staff format of the report, and uh, it's been modified based on the recommendation from the hearing in April, uh, just to be uh, dark uh, sky uh, requirements um, citywide on private property only. Thank you. Uh, do I have any commissioner questions? Please use the raise hand feature if you do. Uh, commissioner Howard. Was it, is it just private property and then not public property? Because I thought the clarification was that it had originally been interpreted as applied to public property or residential property or... Yeah, originally it was, um, I think it was residential and public, but okay. um, public's regulated by public works as far as street lights and stuff like that. So that would have to be their own study issue that they would do. So that's why we tiered, tiered it or pulled it back just to private property. Okay, thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. I don't see any other commissioner questions at this time. So I will go ahead and open the public hearing on this specific item. Members of the public wishing to address the planning commission, please submit a speaker card to the recording officer, use the raise hand feature now, or dial star nine on a telephone to indicate that you wish to speak. I will call upon members of the public participating in person first, and the recording officer will ask remote participants to unmute when it is their turn to address the planning commission. Speakers will have three minutes to speak, and the timer will be displayed on the screen. I have one speaker card. Carol Weiss, come on down. Good evening, Chair Pine, planning commissioners, staff. Um, it's a pleasure to actually be here uh, and talk to you again about this study issue that I brought before you last April. I support the key, I support the key elements of this study, too, as drafted by the staff. But additionally, I would point out that in 2011, the Dark Sky International and Illuminating Engineering Society published a model lighting ordinance to address the need for strong, consistent outdoor lighting regulation. And this encourages communities to adopt comprehensive outdoor lighting ordinances without having to devote substantial staff time or resources to developing these. Um, today's New York Times had an article about the convention center in Chicago and the fact that 961 birds flew into its four stories of the convention center. And so far, there are 961 dead birds as a result of flying into it because it's a migration system. So this emphasizes how important it is for buildings to turn off their lights at night, especially during bird migration. The model lighting ordinance is designed to help municipalities develop standards to reduce glare, light trespass, and sky glow. It has five different lighting zones from the most pristine area to the densest area in the largest cities and the amount of light that should be used on each of these. 
So instead of developing a model ordinance, there is there is a, a model code that can be used. Um, responsible outdoor lighting is useful. It should have a clear purpose and it should be considered how the light will impact the area. It should be targeted. The light should be directed only to where it's needed using shielding and careful aiming. It should be low level. The illumination should be no higher than necessary. And also to be mindful of surface conditions because some surfaces reflect more light into the night sky than was intended. It should be controlled. This would be the use of timers or motion detectors to make sure the light is available when it is needed, dimmed when possible, and turned off when not needed. And it should be warm colored. Use warmer color lights where possible. Limit the amount of shorter wavelength, the blue-violet lights, to the least amount needed. Light where you need it, when you need it, in the amount needed, and no more. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I have no other in-person speaker cards on this item. Uh, recording officer, uh, do we have any remote participants wishing to speak on this item? We do not, Chair. Thank you. Uh, I will go ahead and close the public hearing. Uh, and now ask for a discussion and motion for my colleagues, Commissioner Howard. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to note on uh, Commissioner, former Commissioner Weiss, uh, Weiss's statement regarding the convention center, the McCormick Center in Chicago, which is this big glass building right on the lake. And it is not very tall. And the article, I, I swear it was in the Mercury this morning or I saw it. And it, you said it, it, it was like a thousand birds in one night during a migration night. It was a record number because they were all migrating on this one night. And you you just like wow, so I just that was a one night total. I don't know if it was a thousand or nine hundred or it was several hundred birds. And then they cited that there are somewhere between three hundred million and nine hundred million birds striking buildings per year in this country, which is completely nuts to try to comprehend. So any little bits, uh, I really just want to be able to see the stars someday, or maybe my children or grandchildren will see the stars someday, and that'll be great. But uh, looking out for the birds, I don't know how much migration we necessarily get in Sunnyvale, but if we can do our part, we can do our part. And hopefully at some point, the state uh, just comes in and tells us what to do. Uh, and sorry, I'm just babbling on. If there's any motion or anything that you need, I'm, I'm happy to do that too. Thanks. Uh, Thank you. Uh, Mr. Mendron, do you need any action, any motions from us tonight? Uh, yes, if I could just get a raise of hands for uh, guests to keep it on the list. Uh, I'm not, no. not going to take that right now because we have to hear from Commissioner Stroni first, okay. but uh, thank you. Okay. I just wanted to get the clarification before we kept going. Commissioner Stroni. Yeah, I'll certainly support this uh, study issue, but I, I wanted to... Uh... Uh, clarify or emphasize, even if we had no birds here at all, uh, that light pollution is an issue. Uh, as Commissioner Howard said, he might want to see the sky every now and then. So I hope the study would would not preclude looking at uh, light pollution in, in terms of the human impact as well as uh, birds. Uh, that would be my only comment. Thank you. Thank you. And I'll just add that 
like in my experience, the best places to kind of see the night sky in Sunnyvale tend to be at like the top of park of publicly accessible parking structures. And you can kind of see a few things. And if you've got binoculars, you can kind of see a few more things. But if you but like I think I mentioned this when we discussed this last, but like the last time I was actually like trying to like see a comet or something, I just drove to the beach because the mountains block this most of the light pollution and it would be really nice to not have to drive all the way to the beach to see to see a comet because i don't really like driving those ultra windy roads at night uh i don't see any other hands uh so i think you want us to raise hands uh, that would be great cool i see seven hands up all right. Thank you very much, commissioners. Sure. Uh, okay. Uh, that okay. And uh, item five is information only. So that brings us to non-agenda items and comments. Are there any commissioner comments? I, uh, Commissioner Howard. This is just getting piled on a little bit, but. We got this brand new city hall and we are conscientious about light pollution or whatever. Um, and the, the impact on human health with the color temperature, we're having this meeting late at night into the evening. We've got these bright daylight lighting in the, in these, in these facilities, not a priority for anybody, but if there's an option to adjust uh, for the for the staff who might work late in city hall or people participating in public meeting, meetings or as the new chambers come online to modify the color temperature in the evening to better facilitate human biorhythms in our brand new ecologically conscious interest city hall that might be cool to pursue just saying thank you thank you commissioner davis yeah, I just wanted to thank all the members of the public who came and gave comment tonight. Um, uh, I guess during the day, I have to be very, very focused. And, you know, I have 15 and 30 minute meetings. And like, if we get off track, I, I bring people back on track very, very quickly. And it's nice to to come to this where it's different, uh, where people get to speak their mind uh, and maybe not worry about the agenda so much. Um, I think we we exchange a lot of information um, and, you know, our, our planning applicants and so on, they absorb the information. Uh, they're, they're good people. Uh, so I, I think it's a great process and uh, I'm just very happy to be here today. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I see no other hands. Uh, staff comments. Uh, just one um, uh, public safety people providing training in the council chambers and uh, the bay conference room on december 11th um looks like hopefully we will start being in the council chambers in november sometime thank you uh and that brings us to adjournment this meeting of the sunnyvale planning commission is adjourned at 9 34 p.m and i want to thank everyone for your participation